I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And contrary to popular belief, we actually listen to other types of music every once in a while. So as we reached the end of Bowie versus Dylan and our ridiculous goal of ranking their careers and making them compete against each other for some reason, that we, that we think we can do the same for every other musical artist in existence. So here's introducing Louder Than Sound, our new podcast series in which two brothers, who have mostly similar but sometimes dissimilar taste in music, ask each other to absorb some of their favorite albums based on idiosyncratic themes they likewise force each other to consider. There'll be music! Or at least the description of music due to prohibitive copyright considerations. There'll be points given! Even though it's rhetorical to objectively rank purely subjective mediums. There'll be performative petty squabbles amongst the hosts that occasionally turn into actual hurt feelings. Shut up, Chaz! You always do this to me! Must you be so cruel? So, Jake, what is Louder Than Sound? It can only be the podcast called Louder Than Sound, available on Podbean on November 6th, and making its way to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts on November 13th. And now, on to Boy vs. Dylan. <laughs> it's Bowie vs. Dylan. Is this you when I'm glowy? Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy or a villain. It's time for Bowie versus Dylan. Good evening, ladies and germs, and welcome to the final episode of Bowie vs. Dylan. And we're very proud to present a gala presentation of the BVD Awards. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan, and also Charlie's weird presenter voice. Hey, we all do. <laughs> it's an That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the last episode of our initial Bowie vs. Yeah. Dylan run, and we kind of expect we'll occasionally do episodes when the mood yeah well this additional is, episodes when the mood strikes us but uh and this is coming out in november and then we'll have to do a recap of 2020 we so will be so it'll only be a couple, couple months, months from yeah. now that we'll we'll be back at least but uh we thought it'd be fun to end things with we constantly talk about bvd awards we do it'd be fun to do the formal oscar style bvd awards and stuff that actually matters you know not the grammy style where we'd be here all night <laughs> with all kinds of crazy awards Please. that make no sense and you know and Dylan will win every contemporary folk album, and Boy will win every album art cover. Alter- alternate rock, alternative rock, <laughs> alternative album. rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. But uh, let's kick things off here. Let's get right into it, Jay. Yeah, let's do We're it. We're doing a series of categories of our own creation, uh-huh. and alternating back and forth, and having a good time. That's what we're doing. We're also notably for a third episode ever. In person, just like Here our we last album. I know. In person. Uh, we Remarkable. thought that you were probably going to get too used to it, so we're going to stop right after this. Yeah, let's look at it. We've done again. Yeah. Jake, Jake's going back to his state on the other side of the That's United it. States. That's it. So there we go. Okay. All right. Our first category. I feel like we should have you know guest presenters coming. We really up here do, like George Clooney, making, who can and come making out. like really painful yeah. jokes about things. Yeah, it's like, hey. The definition of a live album is that <laughs> it's alive, and I guess you can say that's true about one of our two performers. Ouch! Jeez. Ouch! <laughs> do you mean Bob Dylan which, or David? But Bowie? which one? 
<laughs> there, I, don't know. I just I just riffed that. That was pretty good. That was not too shabby. That hey, was pretty thank- good for a bad intro to a BBD award. Hey, thanks, George Clooney, <laughs> for presenting hey, this award. No oh, the come nominees see my next movie. I'll be are... really, I'll be really handsome in it <laughs> for sure. All right, top good five best live albums. Ooh yeah. In Wait, you say ascending or descending? It's descending order because it goes descending. down by number. I know, but, it but that seems, makes it sound like it's getting worse. As it it seems off. like ascending because ascending and it gets better. Descending you that's ascend a number to the top. Lowers. Yeah. yeah. So we're, yeah. We're, we're you know we're starting at the bottom of the mountain, and we're climbing all the way to the top. That's yeah. all you need to know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number five for David Bowie. Number five best live album is Cracked Actor Live '74. Oh. This was just released a couple years ago, 2017, I believe. Uh, Bowie has a different uh, live album from 1974 that came out in 1974 called David Live. It initially sucked, and mm-hmm. uh, they re-released it and made it better. And Cracked Actor feels like another step better than that one. Okay. It's what David Live always should have been. All right. There you go. There it is. All right. The number five best live album uh, for Bob Dylan is none of them. Just <laughs> kidding. We're going to go with MTV Unplugged. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of see the... Uh, you know, the the stamp of quality for Dylan live albums is extremely low. It was like made in a sweatshop in Antarctica. I don't know where you would come up with these things. But MTV Unplugged is not that bad. It was also the first... <laughs> Number five makes it not <laughs> yeah, that bad. Not, it's, not, it's not too shabby. You know, it's the greatest hits run through. He puts a couple uh, alternate versions of, uh, especially the song Dignity is on there. And that became, uh, that went on his greatest hits. Or that was on his greatest hits uh, from a few years a couple years prior and this is also notable because it was my first Bob Dylan album I bought it oh. in uh, on our trip to Washington D.C. in the year I believe 1995 4 mm, around there yeah bought it at uh, one of those duty free shops got it for like 6 bucks probably Whew. so boom number 4 for Bowie is Glastonbury 2000 this is just at least a couple years ago as well uh, came in a pretty swanky box that he set with the DVD which is pretty good um, this is like an all greatest hits type thing, which normally is not my my bag, my cup of tea. Your bag. But uh, Bowie just pulls this thing off. He just he just he rips it up right through it. He and just, his hair is luxurious. It is, there's no denying how luxurious <laughs> his hair is. No one will fight you about that. No, let's not. No. Let's not fight about it. No, no one wants to. All right, number four for Bob Dylan is on the Bootleg Series Volume Ten Super Deluxe Edition of another self portrait. Uh, the only way you could get this was on that version. It was a third disc inside. It is the entire Isle of Wight concert from 1969. As you'll recall, Bob Dylan was supposed to be at Woodstock, but he didn't want to, even though he lived there. <laughs> and so he took a fatty, fatty, fatty check to go across the pond and play live for the first time since the 1966, uh, infamous 1966 uh, live tour of England. And uh, he played with the band, and they definitely, it was a workmanlike, but occasionally inspired performance for about 48 minutes that he was contractually obligated to perform. (laughs) Oh, baby. (laughs) All right, number three for David Bowie is Live Santa Monica 72. This came out in a, like, gray market release in 1994. Gray market. Gray market. Well, it's a semi-legal, you know, mm, oh. thing. and then was re-released totally officially in I want to see 2007 thereabouts. Uh, anyway, it's 1972. It's the height of the Ziggy Stardust era. Ziggy. Just teared it up. We love you, Ziggy. Yeah, it was. It's it's a, a muscular 
Aggressive no, show. It's muscular. And Mick Ronson is. Oh, Mick. Just slinging his axe like nobody's oh, business. Are we gonna have like an in memoriam thing and only Mick Ronson is on it? <laughs> oh, David Bowie can be there too, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> just asking. Uh, so yeah, live set in America '72. It's also the only live. Well, no, that's not true. There's another live show from the second, totally different leg of the East Coast tour, but whatever. All right, number three for Bob Dylan is the Bootleg Series, Volume 13, Trouble No More. Hmm. This is his uh, Christian period live shows from the years 1979 through 81 or so. Uh, this was uh, prematurely lampooned on this podcast uh, because, I <laughs> thought it, because I thought it was going to really suck. And it turns uh, including out. Including after it was released. <laughs> and it turned out that it didn't really suck. And now I'm kicking myself because I didn't buy the Super Deluxe Edition, although I can probably get it for cheaper now. So, uh, hey, everybody. Buy me that. On to you, Chaz. I just remember how many times I told you you would end up buying it. And you're like, no, I don't think I'm going to. No. Like, you're going to end up buying it. Yeah, but I haven't it. yet, so you're still wrong. You're still wrong. You're petitioning you're listeners to buy it for you. <laughs> you did that. I didn't do that. <laughs> what? You... In a previous episode, you uh, did. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Number two. Welcome to the Blackout. Live Welcome. 78. This one also just came out. 2018. All the good ones are just uh, coming yes. out. Well, there's been a heck of a lot of live albums coming out from Bowie. Uh, I should probably note that he has multiple ones coming out this very year. I didn't include any of them because I didn't because, I don't know, I can't digest them yet. One of them has not come out yet as of the time that we are recording this podcast. Uh, actually, two of them have. Whatever. This year is out. <laughs> just just leave that yeah. as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Blackout is 1978 uh, from a stage tour. Exactly like Cracked Actor, it... Uh, there was a live album that came out in 1978 called Stage. It kind of sucks, and then it was re-released and remixed, in a, uh, not remixed, but re-released in a far superior version in the early 2000s. And then Welcome to the Blackout came out, it's a different show, and it's better. <laughs> it's what it should have been all along. So there you go. Boom house. But it's great. It starts with a six-minute long ambient piece. It takes some, uh, some cojones to start a concert with a six-minute long ambient piece. And to make it work. And David Bowie had those cojones, <laughs> from what That's I hear. True. That's true. Uh, number two on Bob Dylan's best live albums is, uh, it just came out a couple years ago now, or was it just last year? I'm so confused. It's the Rolling Thunder Review, the huge, the tasty old 14 CD box set uh, detailing all the shows from the original Rolling Thunder Review on 1975. Uh, I don't know that much else needs to be said. It's probably his second most famous tour ever um, it was it was awesome he was completely engaged which is something different than um, the last often I don't know 30 30 30 some years of, uh, of Bob Dylan concerts and uh, it was very tastefully packaged and uh, and it's a joy to listen to we put it on constantly and it has some outtakes and stuff on one of the Ooh. first two discs which you know that makes it a real hot daddy hot daddy and the number one as my computer goes to sleep. <laughs> Number one live album is Live, the Nassau Coliseum, 76. Uh, mm, this is Bowie's oh. tour after station, off of Station to Station and Young Americans indirectly. His band is smoking hot. Um, it's just on fire. There is an outtake from this. The official live album doesn't contain this, but there was. it was released just uh, digitally. One of the songs is there's a 13 minute long drum solo. Oh, that you know. Actually, it's a 13 minute long song. You know you're feeling yourself. I think it's, I think it's nine minutes of drum solo. Only. <laughs> Probably Bowie was doing. I, I don't think he was doing. <laughs> usually, like, so this stuff happens, like you do outfit changes. 
But yeah. I, I don't think he did any outfit changes. No, that that's tour. like that's that was like, the really basic Stark tour with the big like neon lights. He had a very basic black and white outfit. Did he have a lot of he drugs looks, to do? Like. During yeah, those that's nine true. Minutes? He probably did a yeah. whole bunch of cocaine during those nights. Sure, minutes. sure. The guy was told, just keep drumming until he just staggers girl. back on stage. <laughs> Wait till I come flying back onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> then ask me where I am and I'll say, I don't know. And then uh-huh. we, we and you, then start you know, singing. But I'll you, start singing. <laughs> right, exactly. We'll start going. Anyway, that's smoking hot, and I love it. Yep. All right, the number one Bob Dylan live album of all time is the Bootleg Series Volume 4, the Extreme Air Quotes Royal Albert Hall Concert. Uh, this was the original release of this um, <laughs> that uh, was not at the Royal Albert Hall like it was supposedly uh, set on the bootlegs. It was at the, the Manchester Free Trade Hall. It's the one where somebody yells, Judas! at Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan says, Don't believe you. You're a liar. Play effing loud. <laughs> they kick into like a Rolling Stone. It's a, it's a real revelation. It's a... Uh, it's just, it's majestic. It's like one of the most famous rock concerts of all time, and it sounds fantastic. I don't know what they did, you know. I think it's just a soundboard recording or something like that. But they totally filled it out, made it sound great, and that's my number one live album. Well done. All right. Hey, that's the end of our first category. We're going to fill in things with a couple uh, kind of brief surprise categories. That's we right. also We both come up with some <laughs> questions for one another. Uh-huh. And we both wish they were funnier and more like out there than they actually are, yeah. but that's okay. We take these but guys too seriously, apparently. One another have not heard these questions yet, so we each have a question for each other. Well, Jake, right. why don't you kick it off? Here? All right, I'll kick it off. Here's here's my first my first uh, bonus question. Uh, Oscars have bonus categories too; they just make them up. Yeah, on the spot. That's what Best Supporting Actor is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. So this is this is a category I called "Give Me Three. I'm only asked for three of these. Give me three albums that you, Chaz, like better or more after you did the pod research and re-listened to the albums. Because you were a fan of all of oh, about, uh, David Bowie's albums. You just stole my second question. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Except I was only going to make it one. <laughs> Whatever. All right, fine. Um, I'm going to say uh, number three is uh, Tempest from 2012. I always liked it, but uh, now I like it a lot more. I gave it a real close listen, and, I, and there was a little time since 2012 to make that to make it kind of uh, to stick out to me. Number two is Desire from 1976. I always loved Desire, but now I love it even more. And number one, shockingly, is the 1988, uh, about three quarters Garbage Fire album, Down in the Groove. Hmm. And I only say that I like it more or better after this because I thought that I was going to despise every second of it. Um, Like some other Bob Dylan albums that we're not gonna name until later categories. But I actually liked three or four of the songs and I was, I was shocked. I was shocked. It's shocking. It's so shocking. that's my number one album that I like uh, slightly better. Or okay. More. Uh, I've got two off the top of my head. We'll see if I can come up with a third one. All right. I, I thought it was one of your questions, though. Well, I was only going to do one. Oh, right. My question was only right, one. Right, right. You so said that. I only got one written down. All right. Well, okay. name, name, name that one and then maybe another right. one. Well, the first one I can think of is Earthling from 1997. Mm. His, it's called his German bass album, but really that's only... A true for a couple of the songs but I uh, I always thought that one was okay and then I listened to it it's like it's pretty hot it's got a lot going on there it's, it's nice. hot another one was uh, 1983's Let's Dance wow Let's Dance po- yeah well I, I found myself okay. enjoying that one more than I had in the past All right. it's got a lot going on it's got some hot tracks on it don't mind telling you Jake did you dance? Tell, well it's hard not to <laughs> um, maybe I'll go with like 
outside. 1995 is outside. Right. That, one I, that one already, I already quite liked, but I think I liked it more after listening to it. Some more for the podcast. That's All good. right. There you go. What's your question for me? My question is really appropriate. It's uh, what album was not as good as you remember it being mm, from listening to the oh, podcast? Oh, not as good as I remember it being. So it's the total opposite of the question we just did. Yeah. Okay. Mirror images. Yeah. Okay. So my choice was, and no, in no way do I think this is a bad album, but my choice was 2002 is Heathen. Mm. Heathen is often seen, along with Outside, as one of the, like the two, and then a Black Star also, but uh, as the like classic albums or the best albums of Bowie's post Scary Monsters years, and uh, and I, I don't think that's false, but it's less of an even album than I think. There's some really like moody. The first couple songs are really moody and really great, but there's there's some filler in there. Yeah. They could they could take out a couple songs. There's some killer, been a album. some filler. Yeah, oh yeah. There's some, definitely some killer. I'm not, I'm not. And it still is one of those best post Gary Monster albums, but not as good as I remember it being. All right, all right. Well, off the top of my head, I have to say uh, 1970s Self Portrait, which has a garbage reputation um, from its from its inception. But I was always a little bit of an apologist for it. You know, I always thought like, well, that's just weird, Bob. It was kind of a compilation, kind of an outtakes kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like leave them alone. It wasn't really a proper studio album and everybody you know everybody made a federal case out of it but then when i listen to it it's bad yeah it's really bad i'm not saying he shouldn't have released it or whatever i just mean you know i don't i don't throw that on for fun as i do some other bob dylan albums that even you know that have kind of poorer reputations as well so that's what i'll go with uh next up we have our next official category and I don't have a quip for this one, so I'll be the that one, you know, the couple that's like awkward and young. That you know? just like that just were in their first big yeah. movie, like yeah. Well, the we should year we and, should we should trade these off. And the Academy is trying to be. Oh, you want to be okay? You be the sure, awkward sure. young ones who are just. All right. The Academy is trying to make them themselves look like they know what's going on. They're, they're hip with the kids. <laughs> we're like you know? the Anne Hathaway. Like they're MT, they're MTV with the kids. <laughs> we're MTV with the kids. No, they're not because they got to be people you have not actually heard of. Oh, people okay. Like, oh, yeah, these are presenters, are. not hosts. And they look like they're you know fourteen years old. And I feel so much older and, and worthless now because I have no clue who this all right, person is. All right, all right, all so, right. It's like uh, the okay. Tim- Timothy Chalamet. Like he's think about something like that if oh you know my who gosh. he is. I do. I, I think I do know who that is. I do. I'm he's hip, the type I'm of guy with the kids. But him like him like two or three years ago. Uh, well, uh, is it old in here? For our next category, we're going with best album covers. He kind of seems more nervous then. Yeah, I don't know. They usually well, what did you they have? Just, something I was for just thinking they, they feel more robotic. Like they're clearly reading right off the card. And I know I couldn't. No, I can't think of jokes that fast. There's no I'm quips. Not, I'm not that smart. It's all right. I'm not stand-up comedian. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, hey, we're, we're, we're doing best album covers. Five. I think all right. I think I can throw these together in order. All right, yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing these in order originally. I think I can do it. I'm doing mine in order because I actually thought about it, and I don't want to waste that thought. I've lost enough brain cells in my life. Best Bob Dylan album covers. In number five, Oh Mercy. This is uh, one of the rare Bob Dylan covers that doesn't have his face on it mm-hmm. or his body on it. Um, it's, <laughs> Are there uh, ones that only have his body on them? <laughs> well, his face and his body. Okay, okay. Come on. They're connected. I understand that. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> oh Mercy is a mural um, of, a, of, a, of a gentleman, I believe, in like a blue suit, and he's dancing with a lady. And it's really a lot of motion, like really colorful. And uh, it was actually a mural on a Chinese restaurant that Bob Dylan saw in New York City. Mm. And he decided that should be the cover for his next album. And he got permission from, he found out who painted it. It was a guy that like lived right around the corner. And he went and got that guy's permission. 
And he slapped it right on. Oh, mercy. Well done. Yep, good one. Number five for Bowie, The Man Who Sold the World. Ooh. Now, this actually has three different covers, depending on where he got it and when. I'm going with what has become the best-known one. It's the original UK sleeve, which features him in a mandress mm-hmm. draped mm-hmm. across a chase lounge with mm-hmm. cards, a deck of playing cards scattered on the floor. Oh, so saucy. It is saucy. It's a very <laughs> bold cover, you know, like to be that up front. He's got this long, wavy hair. He looks like Greta Garbo. Totally. Uh, but it's just, yeah, good. And in the original one, it's like on this linen print. It's like it's canvas oh, print. Cool. It's got a kind of textured print to it. Oh, if I see that at the yeah. record store, I'm oh, kidding. It's nice. I got the, you know, the mini LP mm. version with the, the five years box set. So it's, it's pretty, nice. pretty swanky. Okay. Swanks. Uh, number four is the basement tapes. Uh, the basement tapes, uh, the recording of them occurred in 1967, and then the band slapped together some shenanigans and made some songs after 1967. Uh, the basement tapes c- came out in 75, and they all got together at that time and took a really staged, really cool picture in a basement with Bob Dylan kind of in the middle. <laughs> with a, Yeah, that. you got to do that. Uh, with, with a violin, and the band is standing on around him. They all kind of feature like old-timey garb. You know, kind of this old Americana kind of stuff. And then there's a bunch of characters from the songs just, you know, uh, cavorting around in the background. They're all kind of tight in together. And there was all this kind of, uh, there was all this kind of speculation about who was who, you know. Uh, Neil Young was supposedly in it, but he wasn't. And uh, somebody else of note was in there, and I can't remember who it was. But it's a very cool, very staged, you know, it's like a portrait. It's kind of a portrait kind of a thing. Self-portrait? No! There's more than one person in it. It's your turn. Uh, number four is 1997's Earthling. I already got a mention here. And it's back. <laughs> hey, Earthling. Hey, hey, Earthling. Hey, I'm one of those. Uh, it's got kind of like a very, I don't know, instantly iconic cover. It's a photo of Bowie wearing a Union Jack frock coat. Mm. It's just his back. He's got his arms in his back. And he's standing in like this field overlooking, you know, presumably the English countryside. England, yeah. But he looks very... It, I know it's like an instantly iconic image of him. It's just very, he looks very in control. I don't know. It's hard to say exactly, but it's its a great one. I okay. Like All right. Uh, number three for Bob is The Times. They are a changing. A very stark relief black and white portrait, uh, picture, not a portrait, of him um, up close. And his face is kind of, it looks like he might be about to sing maybe. And he's just kind of bending over the frame just a little bit. Uh, and he's got like a workman shirt on. It's the very height of his protest, uh, back to the land, you know, uh, uh, Woody Guthrie kind of aesthetic that he had going. But the but the but the actual picture is uh, is really striking. Uh, love that black and white. And that also had a textured cover. Nice on it. And I got the little mini the little mini LP from the box set. I just sometimes I just run my hands over it, Jazz. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Maybe you just press it against your face? Just I haven't done that. Bit. The beard gets in the way. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. Number three. Oh, I should say that I I purposely avoided some of the super iconic Bowie Me covers. Me too. <laughs> like Aladdin Sane and Heroes. That's just so... Aladdin Sane in particular, but Heroes yeah. is up there too. That's just so well known, like it feels like I yeah. can't... I'm looking at it right now. I, I, I avoided bringing it all back home. Yeah. We talked about it a couple podcasts ago, how iconic it is, but I never liked it as much as, the, uh, as that anyway, mm-hmm. so fine. Number three, I went with 2002 is Heathen, which we also already <laughs> talked about. Apparently, there's Whoa. a lot of overlap here. Heathen. Uh, Heathen is this black and white, this really kind of creepy, classy black and white photo of him. With his eyes are all white, 
instead, and it's got this really cool mm, bright right. orange upside down typography of the word heathen. And uh, yeah, it's creepy and dark, and and the album starts out that way, but it doesn't continue that way. Again, some of those tracks need to be pulled off there too. Oh, right. I think I think we did say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go well, ahead. Go ahead. I think take us to number two. I think the Oscars repeat themselves mm-hmm. an awful lot too. Like Titanic won like eighty thousand oh, Oscars yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. All right, number two in category, is you know, like and when they were only like twenty to win, and they they won like forty five. They so. won all of them, plus some. Well, they start making them up in the telecast. We already discussed this, <laughs> just like we're doing now. Uh, number two, uh, another thing we've already mentioned, uh, Desire. Bob Dylan's looking, he looks really cool in this one. He's, he's got his gypsy garb on. He's got the hat. It doesn't have the flowers on it, unfortunately, mm. that he would wear on the Rolling Thunder review. Uh, but he's got kind of a fur, a fur-lined, you know, neck, uh, fur neck coat on. And he's smiling, which is interesting. But I it's, know, but it's, I didn't know Bob Dylan knew how to smile. It's, a, it's, he's a, full of surprises. It looks like a genuine smile. Oh, I especially like, didn't know he knew how to Like, do it that. was kind of like a uh, somebody took a picture of him and he, w- he didn't notice, and then he uh-huh. actually liked the picture. And the uh, the uh, the typography on the front is is really cool, too. It's not something he used before or after. It's a, it's a kind of mysterious, but kind of playful, and it, it fits the album they're in. Nice. Number two is 1979's Lodger. Uh-huh. Lodger's got a really sweet wraparound cover. The front of the cover is actually part of Bowie's body but not his head not his face because <laughs> it's just his legs on the front when you unfold it it's his whole body okay but he looks right. like he's been beat up he's got this makeup on to make him look like he has a broken nose and and stuff he's all scattered it's meant to look like he's falling okay like he slipped in the bathroom and he's falling okay he's flying through it's very but he's already been beaten kinda, up yes mm-hmm. i don't know like maybe it's just accident prone one of his hands is wrapped in in gauze. No, he had to have fought somebody. Which apparently was actually a real thing that he had cut himself or something, and so he was wearing that surreal sure, sure, and sure. decided to keep it. He shouldn't have lodged uh, there. So it's kind of like this surreal view of him, you know, in this suit, falling, but yeah, it's good. Interesting. I like it. Interesting. But it's also meant to look like a postcard, which is interesting, too. So he was lodging somewhere, and he slipped in the bathroom twice. Took a picture of it. And then himself. he took a picture of it. Midair. Yeah. And then sent it as a postcard back yep. to the people Yeah, made a postcard. Yeah. He's like, I'm lodging here. Uh-huh. I shouldn't have lodged here. <laughs> Love, was, David. It was a warning. <laughs> the whole album was actually a warning to not stay where he was staying. <laughs> wow, we've cracked that case for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, number one for for Bob Dylan's best album covers. I know I was going to stay from stay away from really iconic ones, but I just can't help it. It's Blonde on Blonde. Mm. Um, it's uh, speaking of bodies wrapping around things. Uh, the LP uh, <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. You just said wrapping. Oh, I guess wrap. Rapping, okay, wrap around cover. Wrapping yeah, around yeah, the yeah, cover. Okay, okay so uh, the front is actually is actually sideways. Bob Dylan's face is sideways um, because it's kind of like from the I don't know maybe from the waist up. Uh, he's uh, he's looking like literally the coolest human being on the entire planet. He's not wearing his shades, which is a little disappointing, but it's okay. He's got the world's biggest white fro just mm-hmm. happening all around him. Mm-hmm. And he's got his hands in his pockets. And again, he's got a little smirk on his face. But also, the picture is out of focus. It's like slightly out of focus. And I don't know why that's cool, but it is. Everything about Blonde on Blonde is cool. And then when you open up the, the, the gatefold, when you open up the jacket there's the rest of his body mm-hmm. on the other side. And you don't okay. get that on the CD, so don't even try. That's Bob Dylan. All right. I'm blonde, I'm blonde. 
My number one is a little bit of a surprise here. It's oh. a terrible album uh -oh. with a great album cover, and it's 1984's Tonight. <laughs> one of what? Bowie's absolute worst albums. Wow. But it's got a great cover. I love this cover. It's this kind of a... Uh, he's like in front of a stained glass window-ish appearance. It's got this kind of a print, like it looks like a... You know, is it looks like a woodblock print, not a woodblock print. Maybe like a lithograph or something. But it's very, like, blocked out colors. And he's blue, and he's looking up, and you can just see his face in front of this, like, stained glass-looking thing. There's all these different shapes. But it's mm. really well done and really well put together. I'd love a poster of that, even though it's a terrible album. One of his worst. I think you should have chosen cover. Never Let Me Down. That cover is also terrible. And it's <laughs> the album being terrible. Tonight. I know. Had the good sense to have a good cover. Yeah. Way that, better than Let's Dance's cover. That instance. happens sometimes. That yeah. happens. All right. Let's move into another round of surprise questions. Unfortunately... Jake has already used my next question, yeah. and I had a backup ready, and you inadvertently answered it also. <laughs> when you were do? talking about the first Dylan album you ever bought. That was my backup question. Ah, uh, well, what's yours? Why don't you just say yours? The first Bowie album I ever bought was 1977's Low, which okay. is now my favorite one. Really? Yeah. You bought Low first? Yeah, I did. My second one was Ziggy Stardust, and my third one was Station to Station, which are three of my favorites right there. My second one, I think, was Highway 61 Revisited, and my third one was... Oh man, I want to say time out of mind, but it was more likely it was bringing it all back home. See, and I was I was an adult before I started really right. into Bowie. Yeah, and I, I think it's I want to say it was I want to say about these like the summer after I graduated from college even. Like I'd been interested in, I just hadn't bought any of them. I was just that. a wild kid in a used CD store. Yeah, well, <laughs> just free weed. And I was a, like I Bob was Dylan. a uh, <laughs> just like Bob Dylan, <laughs> uh -huh. and I was a poor out of college adult who could only afford to buy the best. So. Understood. Looked over the list, and Low had been identified as Pitchfork's best album of the 70s, so right that's the one I went for. Yeah, and uh, and, and it, the rest was history. All right, for my for my mystery question, I'm just going to have you, because I know you can do it, and it always impresses me. Just name all of Bo uh, David Bowie's albums in a row with the year. 1967, Go. David Bowie. 1969, David Bowie. 1970, Man of the World. 1971, Hunky Dory. 1972, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. 1973, Aladdin Sane. 1973, Pinups. 1974, Diamond Dogs. 1975, uh, The Young Americans. 1976, Station to Station. 1977, Low. 1977, Heroes. 1979, Lodger. 1980, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Uh, 1983, Let's Dance. 1984, Tonight. 1987, Never Let Me Down. 1989, Tin Machine. 1991, Tin Machine 2. 1993, Black Tie White Noise. 1993, Boot of Suburbia. 1995, Outside. 1997, Earthling. 1999, Hours. 2002, Heathen. 2003, Reality. 2013, The Next Day. 2016, Black Star. Can you do that with, with Dylan? I can, but not that fast. I don't know if you want me to, but I certainly... No, I don't. No, okay. All right. But I can. Hey, <laughs> not everybody. Unless you, not unless you can do it that fast. No, not even close to that fast. <laughs> that was like four times as fast. I'd be like, nah, nah, 1980. Just kidding. Saved. There you go. All right. Boom. All right. Next up is our uh, raspberries category. Yeah. Uh, is a... We, we kicked things off. We did the best artwork. We're going to follow things up with the worst artwork. Boo. So Boo. this one, the, the announcer would clearly be a pair of ill-matched comedians. Okay. Probably one of which one of which is like an SNL alum who has been in comedies for years, but hasn't made anything good in at least 10 years. So think like a Mike Myers type, you know, All right, somewhere there, maybe Eddie yep. Murphy, you know, something like already. that. Yep, yep. And they're going to put it in with somebody who doesn't normally do comedy roles, but was recently in a comedy for the first time. All right. Probably. So I'm trying to think of a good example yeah. of like that. 
Or maybe it'd be somebody who's just been getting a little, like, Melissa McCarthy-type person, you know? Well, she's actually well, she's funny, a couple though. years out now, you know, from her. She had a little peak a few years ago. Yeah. So, Rebel somebody Wilson. Hot. Maybe somebody like that, know that you know? Okay. Okay. Um, and they, one of them would be wearing outrageous makeup or some kind of outrageous okay. costume. Okay, all right. On purpose. On purpose. So, uh-huh. probably, I'm going to assume that... Uh, I'm going to come bring up the, t- the the cover of Tin Machine 2 real soon. So I'm going <laughs> to guess that Ben Stiller is there. And he's wearing one of the, the costume to make himself look like one of the statues oh, okay. uh, from Tin Machine 2. All right. With the dong and everything. <laughs> this is wildly specific. <laughs> it's almost like you think of those. No. no, just right now. Yeah. Uh, so great. my number five is Tin Machine 2, which is a row of four <laughs> identical statues that look, they look old, like Sumerian or something like that. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, like a David and, uh, statue, kind yeah, of. But well, older than that. Older than oh yeah. Older than that. Oh yeah. All right. These aren't Renaissance here, Jake. Are you studying? You know the age of the dongs. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I'm a student of history, Jake. <laughs> of course. Also, I have an art degree. I'm dusty old art degree. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't have that. Uh, anyway, it's just four identical ones, and then in the American version, <laughs> they uh, were not okay with the dongs, <laughs> and so it looks like they were like chiseled off which so the version yeah, like in mutilated. particular the worst version is the one with with the mutilated dogs that's correct <laughs> which makes us all uncomfortable uh-huh. but it's funny because they're dogs <laughs> they've been scratched right off that's number five <laughs> i can't top that that's your fifth worst album cover all right number five <laughs> uh, for bob dylan is street legal this is uh, the 1978 album where bob you know lost poor lost bob he had his his old divorce and everything and he responded by uh climbing into some sort of like leisure suit i guess (laughs) and walking down some stairs as one does with with his coat over his arm and just looking around the corner he's looking around the stair corner he doesn't i don't know why he probably doesn't know why either i i would imagine this was a i imagine that this was a planned photo shoot Mm-hmm. And he refused to look at the camera and play nice. <laughs> he was like, I'm not doing that. And he just, you know, the guy was like, this is the best one we got. And Columbia's like, are you sure this is the best? He doesn't. He's We're just, just 300 photos. He looks the real, best one we got. He looks really confused. Like, and, uh, and, that, and that's street legal. That's street legal. All right. Kind of like the album itself, honestly. Yeah, great. Uh, number four, we're going to come in with Buddha of Suburbia. Mm. This will be the original artwork. Um, the second artwork is actually really great. It's this uh, sepia tone photo of Bowie, like, sitting down and leaning on his legs, and I don't Ooh. know, he looks kind of cool. <laughs> but the original is, because uh, Producer Riga was a, like, a limited TV show or something on the BBC. The original artwork is just a blurry shot from the TV show, but it looks like they cut around the outside of everybody and put them on a different, like, it looks like somebody physically with a pair of scissors cut around their outline mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. put them on some, like, kind of abstract background. For this seems reason. like a great idea. And it's blurry, and, uh, like, the levels are really bad for the color, and it's all washed out. And you're saying you don't like that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> strange. Okay, strange. okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's your yeah. show. All right, uh, number four for Dylan. That's right, I said it. Rough and rowdy ways. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> the 2020 Hot shot debut. <laughs> That's right. Bringing it up at number four, I just, I can't stand it. The The front cover is okay. It's It's kind of a oldish looking picture although i suspect it's been you know doctored just to kind of look old maybe and it's somebody like with their head bent over a jukebox and somebody else kind of flying through the frame and but 
that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. What we're really talking about here is the font that is used. Typography. For rough and ways. It is no, more, awful. more like type awful gree. Type awful gree. Type <laughs> typo. I really thought I was hoping something would come to me there. I didn't, it didn't in time. I think, it was, I think you got about 50% on that. Oh, okay, I'll take yeah, 50. Yeah, I'll you take know, 50. you failed, but not that bad. <laughs> But it was a high failure. It looks like, I mean, it could be, you, you could have a parlor game or a drinking game. Anytime somebody comes up with what this font looks like, uh, you know, you take a drink or something like that. The best I can come up with is like early 2000s candy bar. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I like just that, came up yeah. with it right now. Yeah. That's just what I, I just. I'm taking I'm, a drink. <laughs> I'm picturing it, and that's what it is. It's so bad. It looks like somebody got like a like an old Microsoft Windows 95 font <laughs> kit, and they're like, "Well, this one looks good," and well, well, you know, it's got a little shadow behind it. <laughs> it's outrageous. It's like it's there's like so the, many good images within the package itself. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic, and even the the picture of JFK Jake. on the back. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Back go, up. Whoa, whoa, sorry. This is clearly a metaphor for Dylan himself. What? Everyone told him to use this other song, to put this song on the album. He was one of the good ones. And he was like, nope, I'm putting the one stinker in there. It's going in there, you guys. It's going to be the cover. It's going to be yeah, the best. It's, it's going to be, be the it. first single. All the songs are good, but the, the, the font is terrible. Uh-huh. And that's how he's screwing with us that's once right. again. That's All right. right. I'm sure he hasn't even seen the album. <laughs> or the album he cover. doesn't know it's been released. No, he's like, What? <laughs> That's a terrible cover. Right, Number three, David Live. Ooh, or oh, should we say yeah. David, David Dead? Dead. <laughs> David's definitely dead. Oh, gosh. The album. He, even he he made that joke. Uh, what did he call it? Oof. It should have been called uh, David Bowie is Alive or what? Oh, shoot. I don't remember. David Bowie is Alive and Well and Living Only in Theory. <laughs> That was pretty good. He said that? He said that, yes. Oh, great. Because it wasn't a great album. The live album was not great. Oh, he looks just... And the cover is awful. Like, all of the photos of you, the back cover is even worse than the front cover. Yeah. The back cover, he honestly is like mid-blinker. Like, he looks like he's mid-sneeze. But the front cover, <laughs> like, he looks like he's... I mean, this is, you know, his cocaine period. He looks like he's dead. Yeah. And they released the photo, which leaves it just looking slightly weird. And the color, it's so muted and dark that you can barely even tell what's going. It's like, it's just awful. It's really bad. It so is. Just think how much worse the next two are going to be like if that uncom- one's at number It's three. like uncomfortable to look at. Like, yeah. If he had died from cocaine use in the 70s, Which I think they'd have to scrub. Happened. I think they would have needed to take that out, like scrub it out. Like it's, it's like a snuff it uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 It's terrible. <laughs> All right. Number three for Bob Dylan. Uh, uh, good as I've been to you. This is the, uh, this is the infamous looks like a older Adam Sandler cover. It's got <laughs> this really one. it's got this really bad purple. It's a beaut. It's a real beaut. Yeah, it's from 1992, so it's got this really terrible kind of purple bluish background. It kind of looks like Zubas a little bit. <laughs> and it's got the album it's got the album name and then there's Bob. He, he looks got he looks like maybe he's been on like the opposite drugs that Bowie was on. Yeah. He's kind of he kind of looks he kind of looks puffy. He doesn't he's look good. He's on a horse. He's not on a Doing horse. Some no, on the horse. The horse. He might have been on the horse. It's a matter of debate as to what drugs he was on in the early 90s. Uh, they, it might have been the H. It might have been the, might have been the, the white horsey, uh, as you like to call it. And <laughs> Have I yeah, ever? I just, everybody, just go, just go and type in Good As I've Been To You album cover and just tell me he doesn't Enjoy look like... Yourself. 
Tell me it doesn't look like a fat Adam Sandler who's on drugs, I guess. Uh I don't know. So there you go. Um, Number two is 2004's, no, 2003's, sorry, Reality. Uh, Reality is, it basically looks like a badly drawn anime version of Bowie. Like walking towards the, the fri- I don't know. It looks like so amateur. It looks like it was fan art, but it wasn't. It was a professional designer, and the same guy did Heathen, mm. and the next day, and Black Star, all of which have great covers. And I don't know what happened on this one. He just he, swung, he just swung and missed. He screwed it up, and he opened it up, and then there's like a picture of Bowie, an actual photo of Bowie doing like the same pose and same thing as the anime version of him on the cover. Okay, and it's awful. All right. It's just awful. I believe you. I've never seen that cover. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. All right. Number two for Dylan is Knocked Out Loaded, which Chaz and I went record shopping today, and we saw this. Uh, he saw it on a on a on an on an album cover. It's it's confusing. It's very confusing. It's a picture of a woman. It looks like maybe like a, maybe a comic, like a a newspaper comic from the '40s, possibly. It's kind of a drawn uh, animated woman. And she's going to be throwing a barrel at like a, I don't know, like a desperado type maybe. And it's, it's, it might be somebody of color, you know, it might be that, but I I think that's a little bit hard to tell. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Bob's, you know, certainly meant anything by it, but it's just like, uh, it's very bizarre. It has nothing to do with the album inside, which sucks. Um, (laughs) and the, again, the font is terrible. Well, it does sound something in common with the. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't portend anything that you're about to hear you mm-hmm. know uh, it's just a it's just a weird it's just a weird it's bizarre and I don't get it and that's why it's number two okay uh, before I get to my number one I want to throw out a little honorable mention to oh. an album cover for an album that was never officially released and that is the uh, 1985 remix album dance uh, that's a dishonorable mention it's a just dis- oh dishonorable mention yeah. absolutely but it's that one it, that one is honorable that that one is is completely a so bad it's good <laughs> cover yeah. i love it so much because it's so horrible it features bowie with an umbrella smiling this not i was gonna say rakish is not a rakish grin it's a nope it's, not it's a poop eating grin <laughs> He looks like a. He looks he like a naughty. Off, he looks like he came straight off the farm, and he's like just showed up in New York with his umbrella, and was like, "Hey guys, or like hey, a, I'm David Bowie." Or maybe a naughty four-year-old, something like that. <laughs> just this gigantic grin, outrageous, and there's all this like fake animated rain or drawn-in rain. Uh, it was eventually used for a remix compilation on the 2018 "Loving the Alien" box set. They used the artwork from it, but it was a the remix album never actually came out. Mm, okay. And it didn't come out there either. They just used the cover for something different. So that's why it doesn't quite count. All right. Dishonorable mention. Anyway, the mentioned. number one is 1999's horrible album, Ours. Mm. Ours Tell is so incredibly 1999. Like, this could have been the cover of, like, a Backstreet Boys. Like, the font and everything looks like it's oh, yeah. NSYNC or something. Like, right then. Uh, it features Bowie holding a younger version of himself oh, yeah. in a Pieta pose, which is how, you know, Mary, uh, holds, Jesus. Mary holds Jesus after he dies on the cross. <laughs> yes. Just, and so it features him, and his, he's got pretty long hair at that time, and he's holding then himself <laughs> with the shorter hair and the goatee of just, of just not even that long ago. It's not like he's holding Ziggy Stardust. He's holding himself from, like, <laughs> two years earlier. 
And the Great icing idea. on the cake for this one that makes it even more than 1999. And I have this version, I'm proud to say. It's got a lenticular cover. So if you're remembering, oh, it's one of those where you, yes. you move it back and forth and the image changes slightly yes. and it's vaguely 3D. Like this one doesn't like move around, it just looks vaguely 3D. Uh-huh. And uh Oh wow. I mean the lenticular cover just really <laughs> Mwah. Oh. Mwah. oh, so dishonorable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I would normally say I can't top that, but I think I can. Bob Dylan's worst album cover is from an album that I don't even think is a Bob Dylan album, really. Uh, Columbia released it. It's called Dylan. We talked about it. Oh, yeah. Not that long ago. It was kind of an outtakes of an outtakes album that they released in pure white-hot anger <laughs> after Bob Dylan <laughs> left their company after they tried and to lowball And strange that him. that didn't make him just want to come rolling right I know, back. I know, <laughs> but he did, actually. It was not right on back, but not too long after that. It's like um, he and your ex's car and then being disappointed when she doesn't immediately, you know, give you a call again. That's right. <laughs> it's like, hey, come on back, baby. <laughs> uh, so Dylan, it's, it's actually a little difficult to explain. It's got a gold background and then it's got a silhouette of Bob's face and hair, uh, you know, with fro, uh, with, with pre- pretty big fro. And inside that silhouette, it looks like it's bleeding a like a muted tie-dye t-shirt there's like it's like bleeding i'm gonna look this baby it's like bleeding psychedelia down the silhouette with a gold background and what's even crazier is that inside is a really sweet ass poster with the same silhouette with like actual psychedelic hair on it and uh and that came inside of it i guess maybe that they thought that's the only reason somebody would buy this one? one yeah what do you think? How would you describe that? A... Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as you're as you're saying here. Jay. Are you kidding? No, I don't know. What's wrong with you? Okay, this. With it. Yeah. You're okay with it? Yeah. That's not what it looked like. Yes, it is. Okay, I mean, maybe it looks worse in real life. I don't understand. I don't get it, man. Well, good thing you're not a Bob Dylan fan. That's true. That's clearly the worst album lot, cover for a lot of reasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was number one. Are we done? Or you got yeah. no, no? You already did number one too. All that right, all right. So it's my turn to ask a question. Let's move on to Jake. Um, hold on. Here. What? I'm going to show you the hours cover. So oh, you okay. Know what we're comparing <laughs> okay. here? Oh, I remember. This. Look at that baby. Oh yeah. That typography on that. It looks most like most of most of the Pieta is inside of the O. In it Bowie, looks like the, the O is gigantic. It looks like a Nine Inch Nails album cover threw up on a Cypress Hill cover. <laughs> he's wearing all white in both of them. Both yeah, of them and he's just them are wearing all white. gazing. Longingly at himself. That is terrible. I and mean, maybe I'll show you later on the uh, the lenticular cover because it's it's just <laughs> you know I mean, when, you the, can, when you we really want to get there, this purse. You, you can tell this scan is clearly oh, yeah. the lenticular That's cover. That's a lenticular right cover. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. Well, when we really want to get this party started, we'll go look at that cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we know we're getting out of control. All right. All right. Well, how about this? How about uh, one of mine was um, since we're just talking, we're talking covers and art and stuff. Uh, give me some standout back covers or inside artwork oh, off the top man. of your head. Um, I'll start. I had five. I won't. I won't spend a lot of time with it. Um, <laughs> for number five, it's a so bad it's good back cover. It's good as I bend to you, which is got one of the worst front covers. But uh, the counterintuitive part about it is that this is the picture of Bob Dylan playing live, fro akimbo, and he's wearing a sleeveless leather vest, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and an acoustic guitar. And he's just... And a smile. <laughs> I don't think he's smiling. 
I don't think he's smiling. He, he doesn't need that. Uh, number four is New Morning. That's just... <laughs> that's just a... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Standout. These are standout. Yeah, New Morning. Um, so inside is a picture of... A real picture of Bob Dylan when he's like 14 or 15. He learned piano first. So he's standing next to a piano, and he's standing next to this very... Um, wonderfully happy-looking African-American woman who maybe was a singer that he was going to see or somebody who was visiting their high school or something. Um, so that's kind of fun. Uh, number three, Desire. Got to shout it out again. There's, uh, there's, there's some cards and things on the back, some like kind of gypsy kind of iconography flowing around, and there's actually some sort of mystery involved, apparently. People have been mm. studying the back cover of Desire. Mm. I don't know why. Probably doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Number two, World Gone Wrong, uh, because he prints his lyrics inside, and he explains each song. Wow. Because he was getting all this flack for, uh, for arranging traditional songs and passing mm -hmm. them off as his own. Mm -hmm. you know, for good reason, but he's like, here's what <laughs> I was talking about, and he does all of that. Plus, I mean, the front cover's cool, too. And then, uh, and then, uh, oh, that's all I had. Okay. I only had four. All right. Well, I had two of them popped up in my brain. Cool. The first one is Black Star. Oh, which has got, gosh. we were just looking at that. What? That's, no, it's I, in, in amazement. Oh, okay. It's like 500 <laughs> times better than thought, any Bob Dylan album. I thought you were just really, you know, close to it. Anyway, the, no, the guy who I designed Black Star is the same guy who designed uh, Reality. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, you got good days, you got bad anyway. days. Anyway. <laughs> You know? Black Star is it's mostly printed black on black, mm -hmm. so it's kind of the uh, the shiny black on the matte black. So it's hard to read, but there's all these constellations and there's photos of them, and it's really it's classy. And the vinyl's even better than the CD. Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, the other one that popped up was Heroes. Heroes has a fold-out poster. Oh. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure it's Heroes. It has an image of Bowie's face, like with a map superimposed over it in a way that's really cool, like. I want a t-shirt of that so bad, but as far as I can tell, mm. they've never released a t-shirt of that imagery there. But darn it, they need to, so that I can buy it and I can wear it. Just saying. Boom house. All right, my surprise question is, best hair. We have both cataloged. Oh, man. Best oh. hair, best froze. I want to know best hair. Best hair ever? Yeah. Oh, man. All right, I'll start with Bowie. Okay. Uh, my favorite hair of Bowie is the 1975 to 1976, the cocaine years. I don't know how he kept up this hair because he's doing something. <laughs> he's too busy doing cocaine to do much of anything else. Sure, but it's got a really unique. It's very it's it's long and longish and slicked back, but it's kind of two toned. It's kind of like, you know, ginger but also blonde, and like, in different parts of the hair. Um, it's the hairstyle he has in uh, the Band of Fell to Earth, the movie, but he also yeah he has it in the, the 1976 tour, and he's wearing it you know. You don't see it's not on the Young Americans album cover, but he had it by that time when he was very promoting Young Americans, and uh, I just think it's so classy. He's also like wearing a white button-down shirt and black vest and black pants, mm. and it's just looking, mm -mm -mm. looking, looking real good. Oh, it's tasty. Oh yeah, that's real tasty. His mugshot. He has a haircut in his mugshot, which is the classiest <laughs> mugshot of all time. Do you remember talking about this? 1976 so. was like the second episode. Yeah, I know that was so long ago. But I feel like uh, it, I feel like we recorded this, that in 1976. And uh, you'll see, like... Let's see. My, like, professional photos don't look as good as his mug. Look at that guy. He's smiling and winking and stuff. Oh, my gosh, David. So, what are you talking about? <laughs> huh? Are these fake? Oh, I don't know if those are really not. Those might be fake. They might be. This is the official one right here. Look at that. But look, look how classy that. that guy looks. Classy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, baby. 
Uh, well, I hate to, you know, I hate to, I hate to make everything focus on blonde on blonde. That's for best things. I'll say second place is when he grew it way long at the end of the um, Rolling Thunder, the second leg of the Rolling Thunder review in 1976, and then in 1977, which was a complete and utter personal disaster. But Dylan, Dylan grew his hair out like to his shoulders. And then, like, slap this sweet hat on top of it. It was so long, it wasn't even a fro anymore. But really, like, there's no there's no difference between Bob Dylan's hair in 50 of the 52 <laughs> years that he's been around. As, as Just a, whether there's a hat or not. Huh? As a going concern. He's been around for, like, 60 years now. That's crazy. Anyway, uh, it's got to be blonde on blonde era. It's got to be 66. The fro is towering. It's out there. It's, like, everything. You're loving every minute of it. Oh, man. And everybody loves it, and it can only, you know, it's it's a little shorter in '65. It's an absolute in bloom in '66, and then it collapses under the weight of expectations. '67, <laughs> when he crashes his motorbike and he uh-huh. and he's living on the farm, it's like he cuts it and it's kind of laid down and stuff. And so, I mean, it just couldn't keep going that way. Is what <laughs> I'm could? saying. No, no, it couldn't. Jazzy was too much. You had to let it. You had to let it fall down. All right, our next category, as we boldly walk towards the end of this strange journey, uh, top five. <laughs> this isn't strange. So this next year is is uh, oops, shoot. Top five unreleased holy grails. That's right. So this one is clearly like one of the technical categories that nobody really knows. Like, yeah. like what's the difference between sound mixing and sound editing? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. No. But you know that an action movie is going to win it because that we're like a loud action movie is right. going to win. It's this the one. only chance they have at an Oscar. And so you know, and you, you know have... somebody's going to come up and say something like, "This the the great." Unsung heroes of the movie. Exactly. So you have somebody, somebody really. Are the sound mixers. Somebody really well respected, like a Tom Hanks type, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm, Comes mm-hmm. out there, you know, somebody everybody likes and everybody respects, you know, that there's Stop no controversy the around, you know? Yep. He comes out there and he talks about, you know, how we actors, like, you know, yeah. get all the glory, but really. <laughs> yes. We couldn't do it without <laughs> our pals in sound mixing. I mean, sound ed- I mean, sound or, mixing. You know, costumes could be this one too. Makeup. You know, they're all they're all that same. Yeah. same, I, same I, think the, I think the costumes are even more recognized than the sound ones. So, oh yeah. Well, it's because nobody knows what the editing. Well, when you're playing that game is. where you're trying to get the right ones, you're like, I don't, I don't know. Sound mixing. Just pick, uh, pick the one loudest. That's loud. Yeah, it's like Star be Wars. One that's loud. Star Wars. It's gonna be one 20. that no, that's not gonna win any other awards. They're Correct. gonna give them that one. Right. The Fast and the Furious, part <laughs> 20. <laughs> anyway, top yep. five unreleased Holy right, Grails. This is stuff that is not, it might be bootlegged to Kingdom Come. Oh, well, but it's all, never, of mine, all of mine are. It's never clearly. got an official release. All right, great. So, number five for Bowie, I said demos in general. Demos Up until last general. year, and it's and the wonderful conversation piece book box set. Uh, Bowie had, up to that point, released literally like 15 demos in his entire career officially that's like amazing. demos are just not a thing that he he had control of that partly it was so much of the stuff he wrote in the studio okay like there are a lot of albums he wrote almost entirely in the studio so there aren't demos because they just happen right then and there um but demos still exist for a lot of stuff and there's a lot of stuff i'd like to hear we just talked about in the last episode the one of the most stuff i'd most like to hear is the demos for his final he was working on another mm-hmm. album after he died like before he died um and he recorded at least five demos for this final album. I'd love to hear those babies. Oh, man. Oh, baby. Uh, Dylan does not have that problem. <laughs> Dylan's released no. roughly no, 15,000 demos and outtakes, <laughs> and there's like 15,000 more. 
So for number five, I'm going to say uh, the Supper Club recordings from 1993. So Dylan was briefly a free agent in the early 90s after he had uh, released World Gone Wrong in 93. He left Columbia Records. Uh, he was gaining some traction uh, with the never-ending tour, and uh, he was playing he was playing traditional songs and, uh, and other things like that. Um, obviously, his last two albums were those. Um, but he went out and he paid for... He paid for a venue all by himself. He paid for a professional camera crew to come and film and record the entire thing. And it's readily available on YouTube. You can just find it. But I'd like to see a actual recording. These are, all of mine are going to be bootleg series alerts. Yeah, good. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. All right. Number four is the 50th birthday concert. Hmm. So in 1997, Bowie threw himself a giant 50th birthday by doing a star-studded awesome concert. Uh, it featured such guests as Frank Black of, you know, Frank Black and Pixies. <laughs> Frank Black, Frank Black. Uh, the Cures, Robert Smith, Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. Right. Foo Fighters, Sonic Youth, and Lou Reed, all of which guested at some point in this, you know, two-plus-hour show. It was, I believe it was a pay-per-view presentation. Oh, pay-per-view. Um, so this thing was professionally recorded, professionally filmed. What we need is we need this, you know, two-disc CD, and we need a DVD of this bad boy. That's okay. What we need in good shape. It's you know easy to find on YouTube, but uh, I want it in good. Of course, you want it good in good quality. shape. I want it official. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. All right. Uh, this next one is actually not a bootleg series alert, um, like I promised it would be. This is probably along <laughs> you the line. Let us down again, Jay. This is probably How along. I trust anything you've ever said. <laughs> I'm a liar. This is the. Uh, this is probably along the lines of the uh, Rolling Thunder review box set or the 1966 live recordings box set. I would like, I would like a never-ending tour compendium. You know, we don't need mm. we don't need every song from every show. <laughs> that would be literally maybe we do, Jake. That would be maybe literally thousands of CDs, uh, which we don't need. So what I'm, if there was like one disc per year? That's exactly what I'm that's saying. That's what you want. You beat me yeah. to it. Yeah, give me give me thirty. Well, it'll be it's be thirty-two this year. But you know, they should have done this on the thirtieth anniversary. Mm -hmm. You know, give the. Give a give a little give a little taste of each taste. year, you know, a little eighty minutes of each year, and mm -hmm. and let it roll. Let us decide, yeah. you know. Yeah. Let us buy it. <laughs> sure, sure. Number three, the nineteen eighty floor show. Uh, it was oh. not from nineteen eighty. It was from nineteen seventy three. It was supposed to be a play on nineteen eighty four, which he was trying to make a musical of at the time. Uh, but it was a TV special that Bowie put together. It features, I don't want to say it's ten songs. All of which are basically, it's like ten, basically 10 music videos that he put together for, you know, primetime broadcast. And they're all really interesting. They're all like original studio recordings too. They're not, not any of them that showed up on albums. So it makes it extra interesting. There's supposedly at least one song that didn't make the broadcast. But again, give me a, that's short enough. Give me a one, a one CD, one DVD version of that bad boy. I will snap that right up you just eat it right up that's also the one that's most surprising that's never gotten an official release yeah he's in full surprising. Aladdin Sane it's his last like <clears throat> Aladdin Sane thing before he transitions over to Diamond Dogs and starts moving towards Soul uh, it's just really surprising this has never gotten an official release I can't imagine why okay uh, number three for me is the 1965 US tour uh, I kind of want something before and after he goes electric but I will I will uh I will settle for after he goes electric. This mm. probably wouldn't be, this probably wouldn't be dissimilar from the 1966 uh, uh, England recordings, except that all of this stuff had just happened. Like I'd like to hear in order, 
after he goes electric at Newport in the middle of 1965, and especially this Forest Hills concert which in, in New York, which was his first concert after he goes electric, um, which we just talked about a couple episodes ago. I just can't believe there hasn't been a, a big fatty yeah. bootleg series. Yeah. About that concert alone, you could do that alone if you'd like to. Um, but, you know, it's such an interesting year. Um, he goes from being folk hero to rock hero in the span of a year. Give me 1965. Yeah. Hey, baby. Do it. Number two is Toy. The should have been 2001 album. Bowie uh, fully recorded and finished the mixing and everything. Right. A studio album right, from right, 2001. Right. It was primarily covers, or not covers, I mean, new versions of songs of his own from the late 60s into early 70s, none of which are well known. A lot of them are on his first album, and there's B sides and all kinds of stuff in there. And there are a couple brand new tracks on there. But he completely finished this album and got it to the record label and they didn't release it and they didn't get around to it and then it never ended up in any event of leaving his record label and it was never officially released. So a few of the tracks ended up with B-sides off of Heathen, but uh, it's never got an official release. It's leaked, but it seems to be an early mix, so I'd love to hear that actual final unreleased studio album. Yeah, you would. You know? Number two for Bob Dylan is the Mastin Anonymous Sessions. We talked about this movie that Bob Dylan was in in 2004. I think it's absolute hot garbage. Oh, Other people. Man, I forgot one. I'm adding two for the next one. I, forgot to get <laughs> I can't believe. Sorry, this. I'm sorry. You're ruining the Oscars. Uh, Mastin Anonymous was the was the terrible 2004 movie uh, that Bob Dylan starred in and and co-wrote with a writer from Seinfeld. <laughs> As one does. Some people some people think it's good. I can't imagine why. Anyway, though, he goes in with his hot touring band and this. They were pretty much at full powers. This is Charlie Sexton. This is uh, Tony Garnier. This is like all the guys that he's been touring with for years and years and years. And they were and they were feeling groovy. And they went in for one day, and they recorded twenty songs <laughs> in a row, professionally recorded, professionally filmed. And I think only one or two of them made it into the movie, and only one or two of them made it onto the soundtrack. Give me the give me all twenty. Yeah. Give me bootleg series volume fifty. <laughs> Mastin Anonymous. That. Yeah, let's do it before that. I'm ready right now. It's number two on my list. All right, number one. I forgot about one until right now, and it would have been my number two. Okay. I can't believe I forgot this one. You get to do six. Bump everything That's back. That's fine. Demos in general gets kicked off the list. Oh. Everything else on there. Uh, so the number one A is The Man Who Fell to Earth soundtrack. So originally, the movie Man Who Fell to Earth came out in 76. Originally, Bowie was going to record, was going to do the soundtrack for that movie. And so he finished recording Station to Station, and then a little bit later he went back to the studio and was going, like, started recording this. And he kind of broke down, probably because of lots of drugs. But, uh, and so he never finished it. He sounds like he probably has five to six songs that were in some level of completion. Uh, but it's never, one of, the, one of which was reworked and ended up on low. But the rest of which have never seen the light of day in any form whatsoever. Wow. And so he's had an amazing period between station to station sure. low. Yeah. I want to see that baby. All right. My other number one is Leon, which is the original version of what became 1995's Outside. Um, it features, it's the most avant-garde, strangest music he's ever done. It uh, features a bunch of like 20 minute long meandering songs. Brian Eno's produced it and it was all over it in the programming. A lot of it's improvised. It's weird. Anyway, it was delivered to multiple record labels, and he was out of record label at the time, if I remember correctly. And uh, nobody wanted it. Nobody would touch it. Boo. Because this was a time then. You know, we live in a better time now, and everything get released now. Well, you yeah. We, the, the, artists, the artists have a lot more power they now. They do. Which is good. And he couldn't get it released. And there 
uh, a three-track version. So this, you know, being an hour-long three-track version. <laughs> that's how long they are. Has leaked. But there's a rumored five-track version that was supposed to be a double CD, which would have been Bowie's only double CD. He's never, never released a double. Never released a double. And he did double, you know, double on vinyl. There were multiple of that. Outside, well, sure, is, sure, outside sure. is his longest album anyway by quite a bit. But uh, he completely reworked it, changed it significantly, and became Outside, which is a great album. But Leon, Leon Sweets. Give us Leon. Love to see that, baby. Give us Leon. That's number one number for one. me is I'd really just love to see all the Newport Folk Festival performances on one thing. You could make a dope bootleg series out of all of them. You could have mm -hmm. 1963 when he was the hot up-and-comer, 1964 when he was still on the rise but was goofing around and was all stoned and everything like that, kind of made people uncomfortable. 1965, <laughs> he goes electric. That'll mm -hmm. be a big disc. And then he comes back in 2002 with this weird old ratty uh, long wig and fake beard that he did and he just goes up there and plays and then he leaves again but what is that four discs maybe yeah. you know those performances aren't that long they're not full concerts they're three four five mm. six songs but everything from 63 you could do everything with Mavis Staples and Joan Baez and Pete Seeger the whole you know arm in arm uh, you know the whole thing that they were doing and just go through it just give me all the Newport Folk Festival stuff. Yeah, do it. Yeah, number Done. one. Done. And with the blood. Done. Yeah, you do. You do it. All right. Uh, we are running a super long. This is it, man. I, I feel good about it. I feel I'm great. We're, we're, I'm settled in. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm hunkered down. <laughs> yeah, my, me too. My beer is almost gone, which is the we one might have to pause part. and get another one. Because <laughs> I'm I'm in the same boat. Well, it's, and right, it's a, it's a sinking going. boat. But let's do uh, <laughs> let's do our next uh, surprise questions. All right, let's do it. So follow up to my last question, which is best hair. I want the worst hair, baby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, my worst hair is Bowie's worst year, 1987. Ooh. He had the 1987 Glass Spider tour. He has a really aggressive. Uh, mullet, <laughs> like it's it shaved on the sides, <laughs> and it's like flipping up and like kind of curling down over his forehead on the top. It's like you know very carefully uh, hairsprayed over, but like shaved on the sides and this big fat mullet down there. He had and a rot. It had a rotten childhood, and oh it's taking out its gosh. anger on everyone. It's it so, so clearly is, <laughs> and I just can't. Okay. Can't get over this baby. Okay. I, uh, you know, I'm going to see if I can find a picture really quick for Jake, because there. Let me see this. Oh, baby. Oh, there it that is. That is awful. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening right here? That's the cover of the Glass Spider VHS tape. Oh. He looks like Fabio got in, in a fight with, a, like, a hedge trimmer or something. But only right oh. above his ears. <laughs> like, look at that I mean, thing. listen, man. Bob Dylan can't even come close oh, to that. Oh, no way. No, no, no. Almost nobody can. No, oh, Who's, man. I mean, there's, like, boy bands and, like, Forgotten, but who, you know, what, like, big, huge star had worse hair than him? I mean... Mick Jagger probably did a He consistently times. had some pretty bad hair. Let's be honest with ourselves. As much I, as I love Bowie and his style at different times, his hair, it was not, it was nothing to write home about, you know, Well, yeah, but he time. was trying. Well, he was trying. He was always he was out trying. there. But, so, no, Bob's. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a couple. I'm thinking of a couple things. Um, one, I want to say he accepted some award in the, because Bob's hair is. It's just. I, we already went through this with best hair. It's just a fro in mm -hmm. various stages. But there were a couple of years where it looked really um, like unwashed, like it looked 
dirty. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just, you don't want to look at that. No. That's uncomfortable. So that's bad. It looked like he was, like, letting himself go. Mm-hmm. But there was also a period, mysteriously, where it looked like he was dying at jet black. Mm. And I <laughs> You like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like that. Was he having a midlife crisis? I mean, he's probably had several. It's funny. I think of Bob Dylan having he, a midlife crisis. Yeah, but he had a midlife crisis in 1966, and he was like 25 years old. That's like a quarter-life crisis. Yeah, but it, w- it was like heftier than a quarter-life because he had already been through so much. Mm. Mm. Don't you think Bob's been, Bob's been an old guy since the 90s, right? Well, yeah. That was almost 30 years ago, 25 yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, he, and, and the reason that I, I noticed it is he was accepting an award or something. And so, and it was just like, wait, did Bob dye his hair black? <laughs> did the fro get a dye job? <laughs> okay. I wonder to this day, there's probably no way to find that out. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Let's never look into it again. All right. Our next big Wait, wait, hold on. Oh. Don't, don't I have a question for oh, you? Oh, yeah. You do? Sorry. Sorry come bro. on, man. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> hey, whoa. Hey. Come on, buddy. Hey. Okay. Uh, all right. Is this actually our last one? No, we have one more after this. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I want you to give me uh, three tour T-shirts uh, that you would knock an old lady down in in the aisle to get if she was reaching for it. You got you got some tours that you 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 know of, of Bowie. Yeah. You want? Okay. So for whatever reason, I was thinking about this, and I started thinking too hard about it. I was like. I'd love a tour t-shirt from 1966, but I don't think they had tour t-shirts in 1966. No, I'll just go with it. Okay. Because I'm going to tell you, I mean, I don't know if his two t-shirts. So I'll just say 1966 England, the most famous of his tours, et cetera, et cetera. But I have two more, you know, that are a little, that are a little uh, more fun. So 2003 Bonnaroo, because I was there. You're right, right. That would be cool to have. I don't know why yeah. I didn't buy a t-shirt. Yeah. I was probably didn't have any money. But I don't know why that's any different. Nobody had Bonnaroo does. Yeah, because I was there, and it would have had his name on the back and Wilco and everyone else who played. Mm -hmm. But the one I really want, Mm Jess, and I think somebody emailed us a picture of this, and that's why it's it's stuck in my head. Oh, is is this the one I found at the thrift store and didn't buy? (laughs) This is the no, no, no. That was boring. That was a boring T-shirt. This is the one. It's the 1986 Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and the original Queens of Rhythm. t-shirt where he for some reason has like a it it looks a little bit like a 50s poster and he's got like a pompadour mm-hmm. on it <laughs> it has got to be the only cool part about that tour <laughs> is this pompadour is this pompadour and the t-shirt i <laughs> i think i would shove an old lady down for that okay. t-shirt right. that sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> and the only one the ones i'm coming up with right now are the the 1976 and 1978 tours the isolar tours which, not coincidentally, were my number one and number two top live albums. Mm. Uh, in both of them, he just was so classy. And he was doing this, uh, it was really stripped down, like, theatrically set. It had all these, like, big fluorescent lighting tubes. Oh. But it didn't do much else. That would be pretty cool. And I think the one, the Heathen poster one. I mean, that's not a tour one, but, you know. That's, those are the ones that come up in my brain immediately. Um, the other one, like, as of the cor- recording of this, by the time you listen to this, it will be out, but uh, there's a new live album uh, called I'm Only Dancing from the very late 1974, the Soul Tour. Okay. And it's got a, pretty, a real classy cover that's apparently based on the, the programs oh, from, yes. the, from the tour. If it had a t-shirt like that, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't say no to that. I was going to ask about posters, but there's just, I mean, there's 
Bob Dylan has a billion posters. Oh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not up on poster. So is Bud. Uh, the one I did have, I did have a Bob Dylan tour T-shirt at some point because hmm. I saw him in a base. I saw him in uh, where did the St. Paul Saints play? That's called something. No. Uh, Dylan did a tour of baseball stadiums in 1997 or something. But he didn't make maybe. the Metrodome. No, he was purposefully Saint doing Paul Saints instead. He was purposefully what, doing. The, uh, okay. Okay, Bob. You know what? If you belong in the minor leagues, then... uh, He likes playing smaller venues. (laughs) Okay? He doesn't like the cavernous, you know... I saw him at the Target Center, but then I saw him at this baseball stadium, and I got a t-shirt, and it was awesome because I had it. But then I left it in the back of my car, and it got, like, tie-dyed from the sun. Mm -hmm. And then that was awesome, too, but then it basically fell off of me because that's what I do to (laughs) t-shirts that I like. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so our next category is uh, another sad one. It's our top five worst studio albums. So I feel like this is the, the in memoriam part where somebody comes up and talks about how, you know, all the greatness that was lost. Yes. And all that we'll never, you know, we'll never see again. Yep. And then it goes into a video of a bunch of people, several of which you've heard of and several of which you've not heard of. And, and the then everyone's like, who's, who's going to close the... Yeah, you always like wonder it? who's the big one, who's the really yeah. big one. Tom Hanks. Oh. <laughs> Don't even say that. America would mourn for the death of Tom Hanks. Well, he'd be the last he's one America's, for sure. Oh, he's America's dad. Jim Carrey. <laughs> hey, Bob Dylan made that list. Not Bob Dylan. David Bowie made that list. Yeah, he did because he was in some movies. He was in some movies. He was. Yeah. So that's the point we're at right now. Is there our studio of five worst studio? This is just studio albums. Five worst. Studios. Yeah, let's do it. I'm gonna kick things off. Nineteen number five with our previously mentioned <laughs> yeah. worst album cover. <laughs> Hours from 1999. You're gonna Hours hear a lot is such about this. A, an oddball because there's so much good stuff on both sides. Like he had made his comeback. He was good. He had moved so far wow. past Never what Let happens? Me Down, and then he released this stinker. Stinker. Which most of which was originally written and recorded for a video game an actually interesting <laughs> video game but it's like not it's just, it's just bad i don't know why okay uh number five for dylan is self-portrait we've already talked about mm-hmm. that it's just garbage um there's some fun stuff on it it has wigwam on it which is probably the funniest bob dylan song that also mm-hmm. is good i love that song to death uh but that's that's almost it. Oh, it's got Quinn the Eskimo on there, the live version from Isle of Wight, which mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. Which, again, we apologize. We know Eskimo isn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I apologize. It's now very I much considered an, an inappropriate thing. Yeah, I meant to say, I wonder what they're going to do with stuff like that. Anyway, uh, Self Portraits, number five. Okay. Worst album. Uh, I'm going to do number four and number three together, and you can feel wow. free to tell us. Because What's number happening? four is Tin Machine 2. And number three is <laughs> Tin Machine. Coming in just they're above actually, Tin Machine. They're too. actually very, very close, but they're very different <laughs> albums. Tin Machine awesome. original is much more consistent. The it's original? consistently bad, but it's consistent. Okay. Tin Machine 2 has higher highs, but also lower lows. Mm. And it mm. kind of evens out at the same. I believe I gave them the Tasty. same the same score when we were ranking them, which is like a negative 1.5 or something like that. It was pretty bad. Uh, they're both just over the top, too much, also not enough at the same time. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. I don't know. But it is notable that Tin Machine was Bowie's first true comeback, and it was better than what it came before. So it should be recognized <laughs> for that. Oh, well, it's both recognized as being not the worst thing he ever did, nope. but just the third and fourth There's still worst. two below it. All right, so I'll do two, I guess I'll do two in a row here. 
Um, bottom five, number four, Infidels. From 1983. Still lamentably was not produced by David exactly. Bowie. Who Let's, was who was asked and turned it down. Everybody just turn to the person sitting next to you and lament for just a second. What might have been. That what might have been. And I mean, it still would have been terrible at that time, almost definitely, but still. Oh, sure it would have. But he was all, it was also 1983. Like, he was on some sort of Let's Dance. Mm-hmm. You know, Bowie was on gigantic some sort of tour. Let's Dance gigantic tour. Um, Infidels is actually well regarded critically. Yeah, um, people people seem to like it. It was it was considered a comeback after the Christian years. I don't like it, <laughs> and I'm not going to apologize about it. There's like nothing really that great about it. Uh, you know, there's there's one song on there which is escaping me right now that I kind of like, but the 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 production values on it are aren't very good he was he was trying to he was trying to be big a la david bowie he was trying to get in the studio and and make some sort of uh make some sort of big pop hit and it didn't it didn't work for me so number four is infidels number three is knocked out loaded mm-hmm. we talked about it 1986 it's got one good song on it that's brownsville girl the rest are awful <laughs> if brownsville girl wasn't on it which is like a minor to mid-major dylan classic um, it might be his worst album so I'm putting that at number three. Number two, coming in on 1984, is Tonight. Our best album cover winner is our second worst <laughs> album. What this a dichotomy. Is, I gave it at the time a BVD award for being the most phoned-in album of his career. There you go. He just, like, he did not do the anything to make this album He got good. on the phone, and he just made an album? And he was like, hey, guys, you want to make an album? Um, I'm going to, like, <laughs> write three songs. <laughs> and maybe we could just do covers for all the rest. And they're like, okay, but okay. I mean, it's David whatever, Bowie. I mean, he whatever, David. He hasn't released any bad albums, so let's do this one. Whatever, and then Bowie. it was like, oh, he released a bad album. <laughs> it all came crashing down. It all came crashing down. It was his first years. truly bad album. Okay. But not his last. But oh, not no. his, oh, oh, as we're about to find out. Uh, number two, I have Empire Burlesque from 1985. It's even. It's going harder, even harder after the pop. You know the pop ring that Bob Dylan never that never got. Um, there's just some ter- just truly terrible production values on it, and uh, again, it probably would be his worst album except the last song on it. I've talked in length about it is uh, "Dark Eyes," mm-hmm. which is an absolute out of the blue classic. <clears throat> uh, right there, right there, stuck on the end. It's it's one of Bob Dylan's classic. Like this is a 33 minute album. I have to make an album every year for Columbia because I signed this contract. Uh, they won't pay me. Uh, the lawyers will call again. Uh, let's make an album. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, and it sucked, <clears throat> and it was Empire Burlesque. Mm-hmm. All right. And the number one worst album for David Bowie is 1987's Never Let Me Down. Yeah. Um, after this, we should look and see how many of these albums are from the 80s. Is it all of them? Not all mine. I got two from the 90s. The one of them just barely. Uh, Never Let Me Down. And there's it's four studio albums in a row made the bottom five here for Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> ours is the only yeah. one that doesn't I'm, in a row. I'm on a good streak here too, like that. Never let me down. He actually tried much harder than he did in tonight. He did not phone this in, but it's still just terrible. <laughs> it's just so bad. It almost makes it worse that he didn't. I know because he tried. Yeah, he you, tried. You can tell that he tried. He tried on Tin Machine also. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, David. Tonight he did not try. Not at all. Dude, I mean, let's let's dance. He didn't really try either, but that one turned out good anyway. That's crazy. That's all cousin Niles Rogers. Niles Rogers, we salute you. 
All right, number one for me is Under the Red Sky. Mm. We talked about it. It's from 1990. There's no good songs on it. <laughs> it might have been a attempt at writing modern nursery rhymes for his mm. daughter, who at the time was secret, a secret daughter that he had. Secret no, daughter, yeah. Nobody knew about that at the time. Um, regardless, you know, if I have to read one more think piece about how Under the Red Sky is underappreciated, mm-hmm. I'm going to underappreciate that writer. With my fist. With my fist. <laughs> one, two, <laughs> boom. Uh, I have, let's see here, I have three from the 80s, one from the, run from 1970 and one from 1990. Okay. So I got three I from the 80s, with. one from 1991, and one from 1990. So, All right. 80% of our list is from a Absolutely. block from about 1983 to 1991. Yeah, and actually I went, let's see, I went three albums in a row for my uh-huh. 80s. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, not counting is the worst live album he ever put out, too, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Called Real Bo- Live. That's true. Bowie's worst live album was 1992, is Tin Machine. Oi, oi baby. It's <laughs> the worst <laughs> name for anything ever. All right, oi, surprise question. Oi, I don't remember whose turn it is. I think it is mine, because yeah, you almost it. forgot me last time. All right, so to. for our last, these are our last surprise questions, for yeah. sure. Um, things that you reasonably wish that Dylan and Bowie had done together. Reasonably wish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for, for instance, uh, we all know that Bowie was asked to produce 1983's Infidels. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer. I think that Bowie should have taken Dylan to Berlin with him in 77. Is that a reasonable request? No, but it, I mean, there's no way it would have happened, but I'm saying like, instead of him. Instead of Iggy Pop. Well, he could take an Iggy, too. I'm just saying that Dylan was at such a low point that yeah. Dylan needed to leave the country. That's true. And he really was just getting badly. divorced and everything, too. Oh, he yeah. was in a terrible state. exactly what Bowie was doing. We talked about that. They were in a similar life states, but exactly. handled it in completely different ways. And right. Bowie's brought out amazing art, and Dylan's didn't. Dylan went on a really weird, glitzy Elvis, Neil Diamond-style mm-hmm. tour in 78. He could have been working on music mm-hmm. in Berlin with David Bowie. Okay, so that's one. Two... Real short and sweet. They could have done a disastrous Live Aid sign. Oh, I was going to say Live Aid was my yeah. next one I was going to yeah. say. That was good. Um, or they could have both joined the Grateful Dead in 1989. <laughs> also not reason. Bowie never would have done that. <laughs> they could have participated in that 9-11 tribute together that Bowie was in, but yeah. Dylan was not. That one would have made sense. Dylan's very... Uh, so that's a reason. There's a couple reasonable ones yeah. here. Infidels is reasonable. Live Aid is super reasonable. I know, but they, I want to... They wanna... both did Live Aid, just different stages. Right, right. But they were both like yep, a big deal super, yeah. at Live Aid. Yeah. I want them to uh, have done an outrageous mid 80s uh, collaborative single a la Dancing in the Street. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like instead of Jagger, it could have been Dylan. It would have I been think, amazing. <laughs> I think Dylan would have been into that. He was doing stupid stuff in the 80s <laughs> for sure. <laughs> would have, but it, unfortunately, it would have just been like. Boy would have been like heroes, and Dylan would have been like blowing in the wind, and then they would have been like, "Let's not do this." <laughs> <In> fact, <laughs> or maybe they mash them up fact, together. Maybe that actually happened. <laughs> Probably <laughs> that exact conversation actually happened. Like, why was Bowie not on We Are the World? I don't they know. had to have invited him. There's no way. Every well, this, major pop does, star no, in the world he, he was on He did an intro or something for it. Yeah, he wasn't available to do the actual recording for some reason. That's just too close of a call for me. I know that was too close. It's too close. 
My other one would be, you know, in the early 70s when Bowie was res- was saving all kinds of careers, you know, saving Lou Reed's right. career. saving a career. And Eve Pop's career and Mott the Hoople's career, and he was just doing all kinds of stuff and producing them and bringing them over to his record label. Like that, you know, could have, could have brought Dylan in on that too. Well, that's what I mean. Dylan's that's... career didn't desperately need saving at that time. But Not in the early did. 70s. No, did. no, no, no. He was fine. He was fine. And then he, need, he needed to chill out and... You know, sow his oats until he could make uh, blood on the tracks. Yeah. It all worked out fine, but in the late seventies, it was not working out. No, no. They could have. He could have resuscitated his career then. All right. Uh, my question here is: yeah. knowing me and my musical tastes, and you. knowing that I currently own you, Charlie, two me, Charlie. Yes, I currently own two Dylan albums. Uh-huh. Those being Blonde on Blonde and Highway Sixty One. Oh, great choices. What's the next Dylan album that I should purchase? based okay. on me alright my I'm, choice I kind of got like I got multiple choices for you I actually have three choices for okay. you okay three choices the first one is Ziggy Stardust because you're a classic yeah. rock aficionado I know you're huge at it and that's his most classic classic rock right and album. I know several songs off there like yeah. the back of my hands just from radio so that's one okay number two is 1975's Young Americans because I know you love the title track so Oof. much it's one of my favorites. and there's a lot of great a lot of great uh, kind of soul funk stuff on that album. Funky soul. Fame, ends of fame. Mm-hmm. And a great song. Yep. And the last one is 2016's Black Star, which mm-hmm. is just a, a hot album. We were listening to the car earlier today. Hot. It's and you great. were grooving and you were I like, was this is a good one. Yeah. I might actually do that. That yeah. might be the next, the next, uh, the boy album that I buy. Yeah. So I'm going to resist the urge for you to complete the trilogy. Yeah. And get which bringing it all back before. home. I, it's kind of like. Right. I feel like you have to, but you don't. But you don't. But think about me. Think I know. About, I know. Like, I'm trying. Know, I'm, I'm really thinking enjoy? about you. Okay, I think. Oh man, this is this is this is quite a question. I was proud of this one. I like this one. It's a very it's a very it's yeah. a very nice question. Okay, I think that you're gonna have to get. You're gonna have to get blood on the tracks. Okay. Because you like some singer songwriter stuff. You yeah. like Boney Bear and you know many other Nick many, Drake, Elliot Nick Smith. Tra- exactly, yep. exactly. So that's like a consummate singer-songwriter kind of a package. Um, so go with that. I want to say one of the Lanois albums. Time Out of Mind, maybe, but I think that's a little too bluesy for you. Let's go with... I think that you should own Rough and Rowdy Ways. Okay. That's a revelation. I'm trying to think of one more kind of curveball. I keep meaning to listen to some of it, and I haven't You should. Yet. I mean, you should listen to the whole thing. Yeah, at least listen to the one that mentions all the young dudes, you know? Yeah, you got to do that. I Contain Multitudes. <laughs> it's the first song on the album. Uh-huh. You can be bothered to do that, I think. <laughs> I probably can. Uh, let's see. One more Dylan album. Something something funky. Something funny. Uh, I think that you should... I, <laughs> I think that you should listen to... Either Desire or I think that you should listen to Nashville Skyline. I, I have should, listened to Nashville Skyline. You should get it then. Okay. I kind of I remember kind of like it. That's the one with Johnny Cash and with him crooning. Yes. In, what, 1969, yes. I And say? then there's like Honest to God, like bluegrass stuff on there. Uh-huh. It just, they're, they're like I remember that songs. was really early in the podcast when we still expected, like still intended to listen to one another's albums. Right, and then right. we gave that up pretty quick. Yeah. But I remember I listened to Nashville Skyline. Well, you should, you should buy it. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's 27 we'll minutes long. <laughs> you got to have it. <laughs> well, the very least, dial it up on Apple Music. Oh, great question, by the way. All right. 
All right. All right, we're going to finish things off with, this is the big daddy question. This is the point in the Oscars when everyone's a little, like, moving around, itchy, like... Shifting around. Knowing it's a Sunday night, because the Oscars are always on Sunday it's for some reason. It's past, like, one in the morning on the so East Coast. So, we're like, okay, it's I gotta get to bed, because I gotta get up for work tomorrow morning, Oscars, but I cannot leave until right. I know the best picture. And it's one of those where, like, they've announced the winner, and the speech is still going on, and people, like, are rustling around and leaving their seats and oh, getting out gone. of the theater. They're gone. They're gone. And they've, so here it they've is. promised a three-hour telecast that is uh-huh. now four and a half hours long. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. And uh, so here it is. It's the top 10 best studio albums. All right. So this is a full 10, Jake. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and demand that we don't even talk about our bottom five. We just announce them and go on. Okay, fine. Or we'd say, like, I mean, literally one sentence. We were supposed to yeah, say Yeah, I mean, one we've, mentioned, we've and, mentioned and, and, so and many of them, them already. ended up being, like, five minutes. <laughs> that's fine. And that's kind of what they do with the best picture thing, too. Yeah. It's like they've been teasing it all all the oh, time yeah. and then they just they, they, they just yeah. get it over with alright let's get it over with so number 10 1974's Diamond Dogs the transition from glam to soul number 10 is is uh, for me is Oh Mercy the 1989 Daniel Land Wowza production <laughs> brought him back number from the 80s number 9 is Black Star 2016 oh. and the only one of his albums from not from his golden year run of 1969 to 1980 the only one on the list alright uh, number 9 I really really want to say Rough and Rowdy Ways because I'm in love with it right now but the real answer is Tempest from 2012 they're very similar um, I'll probably love Rough and Rowdy Ways more in the future, but for now, number nine is Tempest. Number eight, Aladdin Sane, 1973, the follow-up to Ziggy Stardust. Uh, it's rockier and more American and harder, and it's good. Number eight for me is John Wesley Harding, his Extreme Air Quotes comeback album um, after 18 long months from Blonde on Blonde. Um, and it's just because I, I just really love acoustic, biblical fables. That's just what cool. I'm all about. Cool. Number seven, 1979's Lodger, the third of the, quote, Berlin trilogy, and much, much different than the first two. Uh, it's underappreciated, in my opinion. Number seven for me is Times They Are A-Changin'. Uh, his best protest record, his most serious protest record, maybe his most serious record ever. Um, some real classics on there, and great album art, as we've already discussed. Number six is Heroes from 1977. The follow-up to Low, it's very similar in uh, structure, with the second half being mostly instrumental, kind of ambient-ish songs. Um, it's got a more rockin', harder sound and more conventional songs in the first half, and also features, I don't know, the song Heroes. <laughs> Ever heard of it? Ever heard of it? Uh, number six is Bringing It All Back Home. Um, Bobby's in the ma- basement, mixing up the medicine. That's right. And I ate it. <laughs> I liked it. Number five, Scary Monsters and Super Freaks from 1980. The wow. last album in his classic 69 to 1980 run. Features the hits Ashes to Ashes and Fashion. Uh, and it's just a really dynamite record. I listen to that one all the time. <laughs> it's dynamite. It's dynamite. It's totally dynamite, Jake. All right, number five for me is Desire. Uh, you know, I, I joked around earlier about how, you know, maybe, well, I wasn't joking, but I talked about how Down in the Groove was the album that I like better after doing the podcast, but I think it's actually Desire. It is incredible. What a follow-up to, uh, to, to, a, to a record that we're going to talk about later in my top ten list. It's mysterious. It's fun. Emmy Lou Harris is all over it. Um, it's, uh, it's just great. I Desire Desire. As my number five all-time Bob Dylan album. 
Number four, a Bowie album so great that Jake actually owns it. Woo! Honky Dory from yeah, 1971. Honky Dory. Bowie's first true masterpiece, first true like all-time classic. Feature songs like Changes and Life on Mars. Yeah, uh, a little bit more man. folkier, a little more... There's a lot of piano on it, too. A little more acoustic than what was to come later on. But just a great one. All right. Yeah. Number four for me is Time Out of Mind. I think a lot of critics and people would have this a little lower, if not, you know... I don't think out of their top ten. No, I think it'd be in the top ten. I think it would be in the top ten as well. But for me, it was so formative. I got it when it came out. I was reading all the Rolling Stone magazines and all that stuff. And, uh... And I still have my copy, my CD copy of it. Uh, maybe there's a maybe there's a bootleg series time out of mind at some point. Oh, it was just a it was a landmark comeback album to me since I wasn't around in the '70s or in the '80s when he came back before, or not cognizant of him at that time. Time out of mind is the absolute comeback of Bob Dylan. I don't know what would have happened to his career if he if he didn't have it. But it also happens to be a really great record. So thanks again, Daniel Lanois. I had to put you on my top ten list twice. Ooh. Number three, 1976, Station to Station, an album that Bowie was so cracked out that he does not even apparently remember it. He did, apparently didn't remember recording it. But it's so wow. awesome. A crazy combination of soul and krautrock uh, that does not seem like it should have worked, featuring a character who is completely unlikable that Bowie sings as through the entire album. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't work, and it does work so incredibly well. Number three is Highway 61 Revisited. Let's just go back on Highway 61. Let's go over there. Let's, let's, yeah, you know, we visited it at one time. Let's, how about we, we revisit Remember it. when we took that road trip that one time and we visited Highway 61? Yeah. Let's yeah. go back and revisited it. Hmm. Um, as I discussed just uh, two episodes ago, I think this album is like kind of perfect. Um, it's a little hard for me to, 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 to understand why it's not just a little bit higher on my list, even though it's at number three right now. <laughs> I just think it's a, little, it's a little too similar to my number one album, which is, uh, which is coming up a little bit later. It's a perfect album. It's an absolute monster uh, rock and roll album, and, uh, and that's why it's number three on my list. All right. Number two, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars. Wow, number two. Bowie is certainly his most classic, best-known album, the one that really kicked him into the stratosphere of his UK fame. He didn't break the US for a couple years after that. Uh, an almost perfect classic rock album. Mm. Just what else there is to say? It's a. I don't it's know. A beaut. It's a real beaut. <laughs> it's a real beaut. Looker. It's a real looker. It's kick, a. Real, it's a real listener. Kick, kick the tires. See. Take it for a spin. <laughs> take it for a test drive. Uh, number two for me is Blood on the Tracks from 1975. Um, I put this at number two instead of number three and flip it with Highway 61 because it's just different. It's just a lot different than that. Mm -hmm. um, just completely subverted and remade the singer songwriter. Uh, paradigm in the mid 70s right there in 1975 um, supposedly it's the divorce album he wasn't going to get divorced until 1977 he tried again with Sarah uh, throughout 1976 um, his wife and uh, he he did some very funky and interesting things he played with a lot of open tunings at the time nobody knew what he was doing and he was just kind of like an empath he was like a musical empath and kind of he entered this genius mode in 75 that, uh, that is uh, a little unrivaled, even in his own career. That's number two. Number two. And number one is, no surprise, we talked about it like three episodes ago, yep. 1977's Low. 
Uh, Bowie's at his lowest. He comes back out of it and makes this amazing album. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first half, it's such a unique and weird, it's another album that really shouldn't work, but does. Uh, The first half is all these short kind of art rock songs. The second half is all longer kind of ambient-esque pieces, Uh, but it coalesces into a really brilliant whole. I love this album. Yeah. Also was the first David Bowie album that I ever met, ever uh, bought. And ironically, the second one was Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, which is number two, and number three was Station to Station. I don't remember what my fourth album was. That's your that's your top three. That's my top three. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember what my fourth one was tonight, but I think uh, it probably was on this top ten. When vinyl was not cool at all in the mid '90s, I mm-hmm. bought Blood on the Tracks for like fifty cents on vinyl. Nice. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, so my number one album. To nobody's surprise, although we haven't had this episode in a long time because no, it wasn't his best year. Uh, Blonde on Blonde from 1966. I think Bob Dylan, you know, at least to read about it and listen to it, it was like one of the coolest people on the planet yeah, he's cool in the mid 60s. Yeah. So stinking cool. Yeah. With the shades and all the high fashion. He was wearing like these checkered blouses all over the place. His fro was outrageous. And what separates Blonde on Blonde, even from Highway 61, which was uh, which was recorded just months before, is the care he put in in actually making a great record. He went down to he tried to do it in New York with members of the band. Uh, they weren't the band then, but Robbie Robertson at all. And then uh, that wasn't working, and he knew it. And instead of just puking on you know all the stuff up onto record like he was kind of used to doing, and he would do again over and over again. He went down to Nashville, got a new producer, and uh, and went for it, and really and really went with the uh, the studio musicians there, and made a really cohesive, really brilliant album, a double album. He was just he was he was on top of the world. Yeah, number one, blonde nice on blonde. Way. All right, everyone's already started going home, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's an after party. But the kid. Oh yeah, the after party. It's actually a legendary. There's bro. actually two after parties. Well, let's start with this this short goofy after party okay we couldn't resist ladies and gentlemen those of you who are longtime listeners of the show know that we love uh 60s and 70s british rockers named mick yep because there seems to be so many of them for some reason <laughs> and we can't really understand why we have no clue but we love our mix and we decided to do a quick little top five mix yeah let's do it all right my number let's five is mick jagger <laughs> You even make your list. You're much harsher on Mick Jagger than I am. Yeah, number number one hundred and two, Mick Jagger for me. No, I'm gonna go for number five. Which I, is strange because you're a much bigger Rolling Stones fan. Than I, I love am. the Rolling Stones, but Mick Jagger is one of those. He's like the prototypical lead singer diva jackass. Yeah, that's like true. he kind of invented the whole thing. He's a D, man. He's a parading peacock of a he man. He is, and he actually <laughs> runs around on stage like a peacock. <laughs> and he did this thing, which other, which, and I think it was him that wanted to do it, um, that other like legendary people like Bob Dylan and David Bowie would never do. And that's that he, he saw what was popular and he, and he ended up kind of aping it. He'd be like, we mm. should make some disco music in 1978. <laughs> and they made a good, they made a great album. That was Some Girls. But it was him that was, that was like, we gotta, you know, we gotta kind of put the Rolling Stone stamp on this latest fad. Or whatever, and I don't like that. Okay, I'm not into it. So you know. Uh, uh, anyway, who uh, is your number wit, five then? My number five. <laughs> my number five is actually not a Mick. His real name is Mike, but he's now Nay Mike, Mick Bloomfield. Mick Bloomfield. Mick Bloomfield, the guitarist for Bob Dylan on Highway 61. It was just recently revisited. recently read Mike by us. Yeah, he's just, that was really recent. Yeah, 
It's not right. Mick. It's not Mick. Number four, Woody Woodmansey, whose real name was Mick, but was nicknamed Woody, which is good because there were two Micks in Bowie's in the Spiders from Mars, which was a three-person backup band. <laughs> Two-thirds Incredible. of them were named Mick. Incredible. But uh, he went by Woody. So yeah, yeah, Woody Woodmansey, actual name Mick. All right. Uh, number four for me is that one Mick that you keep talking about that I can't remember who it is, but you may have renamed him Mick. There's Mick some... Garson? Yeah, Mick Garson. It's that's... really out. It's actually Mike Garson. Yeah, I know. Mick. But yeah. I, I'm renaming him Mick. I just couldn't remember his last name. So that's my number four. <laughs> my number three is Mick Garson. <laughs> <laughs> so many Micks. So many Micks. As previously discussed, he's actually Mike Garson, pianist for Bowie for decades. <laughs> I think he officially appears on more Bowie albums than anybody else besides, you know, Bowie really? himself. It's either him or Visconti. Okay, yeah. I can't, I kind of think it's him, actually. Yeah, Visconti, he's on a ton of, he's on, It's because he's on a ton of live albums, too. So I think including live albums, it's Garrison. If it's just studio albums, I think it's Visconti. All right. Uh, but he's uh, actually Mike, but we call him Mick because he's so great. Yep, like Mick Bloomfield. Uh, number three for me is uh, a person that you've never heard of before. It's Woody Woodsman-Z. <laughs> Woody Woodmansey, um, nay, nay Mick. He's a, his real name is Mick. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. He's a great Mick. He's number three. Number two is going to be the same as you. It's Mick Rock. How do you know? Am I wrong? Well, you'll you'll find out maybe. You'll find out. Mick in a Rock second. was a photographer who just his, his actual name is Mick Rock this is not like a stage name I looked Mick this up. Rock I just had the best name ever and he did about a lot of early photos of Bowie along with a lot of other people he was really well known for a while there mm-hmm. uh, so my Mick number Rock. two is uh, is Mick Rock <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll conclude this I'll, I'll conclude my story by saying that I almost went to a retrospective at the Seattle mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Museum what do they call that I don't know I was there. Seattle Cultural <laughs> Museum. It used to be the there. Jimi Hendrix Museum, but then they, they changed it. But anyway, uh, it was it was a retrospective of David Bowie pictures by Mick Rock. And um, instead I saw a bunch of, like, Jimi Hendrix's really crazy flamboyant outfits. Hmm. Instead uh, of Bowie's really crazy flamboyant outfits? Yeah, but I actually saw the outfits. Oh. Like, they had them on yeah, that mannequins. Sounds cool. Okay, yeah. Jimi Hendrix was tall. Yeah. He okay. was awesome. Okay, no, died, I, I would probably go soon. see the outfits before I would see well, I would have photos, saw, I would have too, seen you know? both of them. Yeah. And number one, Mick. Can we just say it at the same time? Mick, Mick Ronson! Who we all know is just ripping off Casey Looks in Heaven right now. Oh, sure is. Uh, I don't know why we... Like I, Mick Rogers is awesome. I don't know why he became like the mascot of the show. It was he pretty be- early on too. He became the mascot because we. we he has a connection in between. Ex- like a major one. He, yeah, he was. He played with Bowie. I mean, Bowie more famously. Oh, well, Bowie by, first. by far, by far. But then he also did play guitar on the Rolling Thunder review. That's right. The first which was you know, that's only a couple years after he split with Bowie. He tried a solo career that didn't right. really work out. I think he played right. with Ian Hunter of Mouth the Hoople, and then he ended up with Dylan. Like. It started with our it started with our first episode. Our first episode because it was one of the few connections we could find. We were looking for connections, and there was mm-hmm. an interview that I saw where, <laughs> where Mick was like, you know, lamenting that he was not in uh, David Bowie's band anymore, and he didn't know why. But then Bob Dylan picked him up and got him back on his feet, and mm-hmm. so you know that became fodder, as everything does for <laughs> the contentious, and barely, their you know barely unstrained relationship between myself and Charlie. <laughs> 
that has just been straight over these last six Absolutely. Episodes. We barely made it through this. <laughs> I gotta say. In which hey. we force ourselves in the awkward situation of talking to each other for like an hour yeah. every two weeks. I know. Now I know him better. I know him better than I probably ever have, and that stinks. <laughs> and I'm unhappy about that. <laughs> I'm very unhappy. Uh, before we before we move on, um, I do have a couple more Mick related puns that I think that we should adopt now that the now that the podcast is basically over. From now on, wherever we talk about photos, we call them mixtures. <laughs> Mick rockshires. Uh huh. Mick Mick rockshires. <laughs> whenever uh, whenever we want to go to eat at a fast food restaurant, it's McDonald's. Well, it is the closest fast food restaurant to my house. So uh, mine too. In Washington State. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mine is in Minnesota. Um, our favorite beer is now uh, Michelob Ultra. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, our favorite pun-based beer uh-huh. is Michelob Ultra. <laughs> and most importantly, whenever we talk about somebody ripping it up on the guitar, they're now Tasty Mix. Oh, that that really brings it around. Right, here. doesn't it? That would really warms my heart right yeah, there. I, I really like that one. I know. Try not to cry. Um, I'm trying. I appreciate it. Try, I can't promise anything. <laughs> Mick, 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 And now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all truly been waiting for. Mm. This is an epic of an episode. Already our longest episode, and we're not even done yet. No, not even close. Maybe halfway. Well, I would I would say that we are close. I <laughs> no, would disagree I would say, with that wholeheartedly and say, say that we are indeed close. But a quarter we are of the not way. done yet. Quarter of the way tops. <laughs> also incorrect, ladies and gentlemen. Don't run for the hills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you've been listening at all, we you know we get points every year to we sure do. Gentlemen, and we determine a winner. And in the beginning, we cared a lot about the winners, and as time went on, I think we we cared less. And uh, what we've done is we put together a spreadsheet and tabulated all of the points for everything. And uh, we've determined two different areas in which one of the two of them could actually have won. Right. The first one is who won more episodes. Like, yeah. we had a total of, how many is it in here? Uh, 57 years. That could be. 57. Pointed off. 57. Okay. Uh, no, 56. 56. Yeah. Sorry. 2020 is on this list. We just haven't done it yet. Right. 56 episodes in which there were points determined and a winner was determined. So there's going to be one winner there. And then we also are going to determine a winner for total points across the whole board. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're like, we were really curious about this when we tabulated it all up to see, but before we get there, Jake, let's look at some, uh, some interesting trends. Okay. So, we had this all, you know, figured out by year and everything. And, and one of the interesting things is that, like, these guys went on a hot streak sometimes, you know, oh, yeah. just where, like, consistently Burn blowing each other. For instance, the 60s. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> Dylan took him home. Shockingly. Four, our first year including through 69. Dylan's two, including two, Dylan's two best years, 65 and 66, point-wise. Yeah. By yeah. far, actually. I don't see yes. anything that really approaches that. That's not true. 75 is actually higher. Oh, yeah, higher 75. 75, the old yeah. 75-er. Yep. They yep. never reach those dizzy heights again. No. It's hard to. No. No. Uh, Dylan wins all of them. But then starting <laughs> oh. in 70, there's a new sheriff in town. Uh, his name that is sheriff's also name? Bob Dylan. Oh, wait. Sheriff's name is David Bowie. Okay. And uh, he pretty much dominates up through 1986. Ironically... 
That's funny. Uh, the last three years of which he's pretty terrible. He's just not quite as terrible <laughs> as uh, wow. as Bob Dylan. I'm so yeah. Look at these. So scores. in that whole time from 1970, Bowie wins every year from 1970 to 1986, except for very notably. Well, there's a tie in '84. Right. It's a, it's a negative tie. <laughs> They're both negative. It's a terrible a year for sucky Bob. Sucky tie. But very notably, Dylan pulls it out in 1975. Yeah. Pulls out all the stops yeah. and just rips it up. Uh, Bowie has a, an amazing night. And cannot hold a candle to Dylan's 13.5. Yeah, that was blood on the tracks and the bass All over the place. I know. Wow, look at that. Starting in 87, it's still terrible for both of them. Yeah. But But Dylan uh, (laughs) Dylan has a good run there for a little while. The 90s are probably the most back and forth of the years. Yeah, I'm looking at here, 90. And up through 2003, they go back and forth. It's almost split. There's one tie, but it's really almost split. Then we have 2004. Uh, there's a uh, long string of wins for Dylan, strangely lining up with a little song that we call the Davecation, in which Bowie just doesn't do anything. Yep. So yeah, he just gets like, he there's just some lets, he just there's, lets Dylan get back into the game, and then there's over, some, there's a couple singles in there, but there's zeros, there's negative point fives, there's ones, there's twos. You know, there's just there's nothing. There's just yeah. nothing going on. And Dylan, um, Dylan responds by pretty much beginning the by uh, by doing stuff. The well, he's doing stuff. He's making albums, you know, every three, four, five years throughout there. But he's also introducing, um, not surprisingly, he's introducing and perfecting the bootleg series, which are right. Well, his well, series well, running of, the uh, of reissues. We'll still doing the Tour, so he's got guaranteed points. He's got every guaranteed point five every year, right there. Mm-hmm. And then he's got, and the bootleg series is like the envy of all other super deluxe box sets, at least as oh, a regular yeah. running series. So you know, oh, yeah. he popped that in there right at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so, because it's notable, you know, Bowie. There's a long string of of nothing from Bowie, and a long string of lo- losses for Bowie. But notably, Bowie wins on every year from 2002 on, in which he releases an album. <laughs> Is that what it is? Two thousand on every year he releases an album, he wins. Yeah, good album. But he only he, he only wins. There's reissues only take him so far, and they, they, you know the the big Bowie reissue parade doesn't start until his death in 2016. Oh. is when things really start flying. So and now it's been pretty since Bowie's death. It's been pretty uh pretty split. Yeah, it has been 2016. Yeah. Act, yeah. So what pretty is much. most maybe like notable in all this is how even they really are, how close they really mm-hmm. are. There is a winner for both. But uh, right, but in a head-to-head competition, they're so close. In a, like, in a head-to-head I don't competition, think we if one if one guy had lost and the other had won, that's actually worth two points. So, or you know, two wins in the standings. And in, in a point break, yeah, yeah, yeah in a point break. break. So yeah. you know, it's 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 actually like razor close. I mean, really? one of them is, yeah, yeah. So without further ado, Jake. Let's announce the okay. winner of the episodes. Wow. So again, Whoa, we have this is 50, happening. 54 total episodes. Yeah. I, just said, no, I think you said 56 is what you said. 56, sorry. That's what 56. you meant. That's what I meant. 56 total episodes mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in which we pointed. Okay. Uh, let's start with ties. All right. Which were, the, which were they? There were four ties. Four ties. That's 1984. Oh, I'm sorry. No, three, three, three. Oh yeah, you know that's Sorry, right. Sorry, my right. spreadsheet still it's got it's got twenty twenty as a tie because there's zero points in there. This is also color. Gonna, this is also color coded. Everyone, sweet, <laughs> my nine year old who was way into coding. He and I coded a uh, a Google Sheets like nobody's business with color coding and automatic wins, and it's it was a it's a magnificent spreadsheet. It it's really the greatest is. spreadsheet I've ever created. It's very col- I, It's I, very I colorful. The colors are all I can say that with no hyperbole whatsoever because wow. I've never 
worked that hard on the spreadsheet. You know, you're the real winner of Bowie versus Dylan shows. <laughs> you, and, you and your son, aren't there? <laughs> uh, so the ties were 1984, 1994, uh-huh. and 2017. And not 20, yeah, yep. 2017. Not, not 2004. Yeah. Yep. All right. Bowie has a sterling, solid 25 wins. 25 big ones. A lot of wins. It's a lot of wins. Including, including the... Uh, some really, he's like, I think, I think Bowie has the longest streak. He probably does. From 76 through 1983, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, that's eight years in a row. Yeah, the, the biggest. Dylan's longest streak is six in the day of Cation. So yep. Bowie does have, and actually Dylan has six in the 60s also. Dylan Bowie's 25, but that doesn't mean that Dylan pulls off the win with 28 wins. 28 big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so. Yep. <laughs> but we have to eat it on that. I mean, we can blame the fact that he died too soon. Yeah, but then he started and winning. He started winning after he died. So that's true. He did start winning again more <laughs> consistently after he died. That's true. right. But look at that. I mean, we got some good. It's not that. Uh, it's not that there weren't a lot of close ones. There were actually close, no. close years throughout. Even in the mm-hmm. even in the decades where, well, just kidding. The seventies, late seventies and early eighties are a massacre. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. They, they really, they really terrible. are. Dylan was awful. Bowie was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and the sixties are a ma- the sixties are a massacre too. Well, yeah, but I mean, you almost got to think like Bowie started later. You know, I know that that, that right. actually that actually discounts a couple of Dylan's. He's just a, he's, a, he's just a little kid. He's a teenager. You know? He's a kid, but he didn't do any he didn't do anything truly notable until nineteen sixty nine. Right. You know, that's space out of you. That's that's when he actually right. arrived. But Dylan also got robbed of like three early years where he probably would have won three two. Two. There's only two, Jake. We figured this out. His first release was sixty two. Oh yeah, that's right. Just sixty two and sixty three. Yeah, okay. You're right. So he can have those two wins also. <laughs> Just tack them on. He yeah. still wins. Bowie Jack has nothing because he was he was too busy being in high school at that time. Yeah, Bowie. For those two years. Bowie, Bowie, Bowie. But then finally, the big one, total <laughs> points. <laughs> so we scored up all the points for all of the years for both of them. We did. David Bowie comes in with a whopping 173 points. 173 points over 56 This is positive. Years. Now, this does, you know, the, neg- the negatives do, you know, take it down. So right. They scored more points than this. They just, the negatives brought it back down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Did they and ever? And that cases. gives Dylan, then follows it up with a razor close, 177 points. Wow. So Dylan pulls off the points win as well. Just barely, though. Just barely. Just And this is one of those things barely. where Bowie had released one album during the Dave Cation. Yeah. He probably, like, with that in singles, he probably would have won by points. I was really hoping we were going to have a tie. And I, Me as well, I, that would have been the I best had no idea it was going to be this close, though. The other thing we've realized is with Bowie's release, and there's a ton of releases for Bowie in 2020, it's entirely possible that Bowie will change it. At the end, like at the end of the 2020, Bowie could be the point winner. Could it's be. possible. We'll have to do We'll see. Update. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But uh, Bowie's got a lot coming out in 2020. So To the delight and this of could, you. This could be something where, which I kind of like, this could be something where, like every year, we figure out a new points winner, you oh, know, we they keep to. going back and forth, you know? We got to, because and it's a few not over. And years of, of posthumous releases, and Bowie could pull off the... Uh, <laughs> well, we, we'll think, uh, we, think that, we think that Dylan will pass away at some point. 
you have you've declared at least a dozen times over the course of this show that he will never die. No, I just I'm just wondering, you know. Are you backpedaling all that? I'm just, no, no. I'm just well, saying. I'm just saying. You know, I don't know what else Dylan would release after he passes that he wouldn't release now. That's true. Well, he won't Maybe. release new albums anymore. He won't have good albums anymore. He does have a Bootleg classic series. Album. Just keeps marching on. Oh man, we've we ourselves have come up with at least sixty-two bootleg releases. I mean, ourselves. all of them. Based, that's just off the top of, pun, of our dome. Just basically the, the pun-based titles is what the you're pun-based. Really well, not, not, we're not worried about the contents. We're worried about the pun-based titles. More bootlegs, more series. That's right. <laughs> so series. Dylan pulls out the double win, but yeah. really the winner is all of us, Jake. I think the winner was. and I, I, just, I think when we started this, I, we really had no clue who was going to win. No, I didn't. What was going to happen with all of this. I did And the fact that it came down to be so close, especially in points. Yes. It's so incredibly close that it's just a testament to both of them, you know? It's a testament awesome to their long and are. wonderful careers. They did yeah. overlap a lot, you know. A lot. 56, all except for two years. 56 of those years. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And I, I did think uh, when we started the podcast that uh, I would care more who won at the end. Yeah, me maybe. too. Like, for some reason, it's kind of like following a sports team. You think that you're on the yeah. team a little bit. Like, Bob Dylan is, you know, releasing awesome albums for me. And that somehow I uh-huh. should emotionally care <laughs> that he would beat David Bowie, another random musician uh, that my brother well, had. really, you don't have that much to do with each other, except they're both they good don't at all. a long time. It's just that we we each, those are each of our favorite guys. Right. But I don't really, I don't really care who won. No, me neither. Even though Bowie lost both. Yeah. I'm like, I, re- I, mean, I had so really close. hoped, I had really hoped that one of them would win the one and the other one would win the other. Well, that, maybe, was my, that was my ultimate hope. Maybe we'll so find out in, in January 2021 that that's the case. That's, you know, that's possible. He, I don't know we'll if see. he's going to leapfrog by four points, but maybe. Mm. He has four unreleased live albums announced so far this year. Four, Jake. He could have his best year ever just because. Three of them have come out already. The fourth one hasn't come out yet. Still expecting some kind of box set announcement. You're this all year. giving. By the, time, by the time this show goes, I'm sure there will a box set will either be announced or we'll know it won't happen, but I'm I betting it's going to happen. You're giving them all plus 3.0s all the That's way right. across the board. <laughs> It'll be his greatest year ever. <laughs> Hands down. Pulls off an amazing 62 points in 62 one year. pointer. <laughs> it's worth three wins. Bowie's now the winner of everything. Of everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, great spread. But the true Jake. winner in all of this, Jake, was all of us. I think so. You I think and so. And me hanging out and talking about our famous favorite musicians. That's right. Learning an unbelievable amount about these two guys. An, unga- an ungodly life, amount. I think, and I think, I, I mean, I, the only person I think in my entire life I can think of I know more about than David Bowie at this point is my wife. Or you probably your kids because my kid, yeah, my kids haven't lived very long though. You know, there's just so much. <laughs> yeah, but there's you so know, much more stuff to know about my you wife. Know 100% Bo, you know, a hundred percent about them except for the thoughts in their brain. You know, sure, sure, hundred like, percent. You think about all of the life events of a three year old. You're like, well, well, there you are. <laughs> I could it could not sustain a sixty four episode podcast. Let me just tell you that. I don't know that time that he dropped that food on the floor. Remember that. That one one time, Jake. <laughs> well, the, the best time. The best time. We're gonna do a top ten. I'm gonna do a top ten episode of the time scene. <laughs> oh man, let's not do that. No, all right. Let's not do that. All right. Well, gee whiz. Ladies and gentlemen, with that, we're we're offering a fun farewell yeah. to our the original run of Bowie versus Dylan. We are we've already kind of committed. I think we've mentioned this in the show. That we're expecting we'll come back for occasional episodes. The first one expect in January, a 2020 episode. So, 20, so January 2021, expect our first time back, which is actually only a couple months after this 
She that's knows. Right. That's right. You'll barely miss us. You'll barely miss us. I mean, you might not even actually get around to missing us. You might not miss us. You'll be like, oh, they're back. You probably won't be done listening to this episode yet. (laughs) No, it's going to take a good year. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. And we have have a feeling that when we're we're, we're feeling like, you know, we have something to say, we'll be back for occasional episodes. Maybe so. Maybe so. So with that, Jake, I feel like. I know. How do you you, you end it? There's only one thing left to say, Jake. Yeah. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan.